breaks my heart. I could feel the emotion from everything that he was witnessing and he was like putting himself into. Well, his performance is excellent. I want to introduce you to somebody. Hi. Oh, How you doing? Oh my God. Oh. oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the headline news with resistance chicks we're your hosts leah and michelle it's friday which means we're going to bring you this week's top news the biggest of big is the sound of freedom yes. box office yes hit. Woo! Beat oh out. my goodness indiana jones left indiana jones back at the temple of doom <laughs> that was it you were you planning on that no just that me. was really good yeah and then we have hunter biden who may or may not have dropped his crack in the white house oh my gosh can you I believe know. that and I then, actually and then the people it. have to wonder which crack that's funny. I know. That was funny. That, I don't know how funny, but that was kind of funny. And Kamala Harris wants us to be in the moment of the moment of the moment that we're in. I like living in this moment right so, now. So, yeah, in a moment, we'll be back. But there's also the uh, Biden versus the censorship case in Missouri. Missouri yeah, Missouri Biden. Attorney General Eric Schmidt left a case. He entered the Senate. He left a case going. It's on the books. It's hot. So, uh we got all that and so much. Come back in up. a moment. If you get your popcorn in the moment. And a friend. Come That's on. right. We'll see you right back. All right. So we've had some pretty big wins lately, right? Yeah. I like wins. I love winning. And Donald Trump said he gets so tired of winning. And then we lost a whole bunch. So <laughs> it's about time know, we started it's winning. It's about time to get to where we uh, at least feel good about winning. Yeah. So very, really cool. We have a friend, and you guys have a friend. His name is Dr. Eric Naputi, and he Love has a Dr. show Eric here Naputi. on Brighty on TV. Yeah. Well, Dr. Eric Naputi is in the know in Missouri. Now, mm -hmm. Missouri is a quiet state, if you didn't know this. Their patriots are getting it done. Their grassroots patriots are running for state office. They're running for their local offices and they're making an impact on a very big scale. I think they're one of the only states that had an, a really, really good attorney attorney general. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the attorney general. I believe it's of Arkansas was so good. Arkansas is another uh, this is a sleeper big position. Cell. Hang on. It's a big position that we have not been looking at. No, because the these way, attorney generals can do things at a federal level. Yeah. Okay. Because we're, we're bringing things back to states' rights. So these states' attorney generals can actually go to the Supreme Court 
over things that the federal government might do, the, whether it's Congress or, in this case, the White House, the Biden administration censoring conservatives. Mm -hmm. So be, our friend Eric Naputi is very good friends with former attorney general who got this case that we're going to talk about started, Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt left and we were all wondering and we did, and he even, didn't just even, leave though. Didn't he go to like the Senate or he Congress? He is now, no, he left for, and he is a Senator. He's a Senator. Yes, yeah. He is a federal Senator now. Okay. Well, the next attorney general, he made sure, I guess, would pick up the ball and run with it. And this case, Missouri versus Joe Biden, which is, uh, it's a case centered around the CDC or the FDA or the White House colluding with or sending information to social media outlets telling them that they need to put, you know, little misinformation warnings, labels. labels, warnings on things. So I've got two clips for you. We're going to play the first clip here uh, that talks about the win, and then uh, we'll come back, and then I'm going to play a second clip for you, which has CNN's uh, little underwear in a wad because they would like the government to censor more. So let's see, uh, let's, let's hear a little bit about this win. Our very special guest is Attorney General of Louisiana, Attorney General Jeff Landry, who is the plaintiff in the Missouri versus Biden case. And curiously here on July 4th, Independence Day, there has been a ruling on a preliminary injunction. What's your reaction to this ruling? Yeah, look, it's a great day today. I mean, what a day to have this um, uh, this handed down by the federal courts, Independence Day uh, of all days. Uh, look, we have spoke about this case many times before. Uh, I continue to say that this could be arguably one of the most important First Amendment cases in modern history. I mean, if you look at the, at the opinion that the judge lays out, he takes from our argument that this is basically one of the most massive undertakings of the federal government to limit American speech uh, in the history of the country. I mean, the things that we uncovered in this case uh, should be both shocking, appalling, uh, and concerning for all Americans. And so we're glad to see that the judge saw it our way. So I think that we should start keeping a long list of the different wins that are happening. You will, and maybe you could do it state by state and you'll see that Missouri's list is kind of longer than everybody else's. It is, but I want you to hear CNN's uh, take on this before we break it down. That's what Ellie just went through brilliantly, the law here. What do you make of what this actually means in practice? If this were to become the final ruling and uh, withstand challenges in the Fifth Circuit and up to the Supreme Court, then what? FBI, CDC, DHS, DOJ? That would be startling, uh, in part because these agencies all use social media. They don't just, you know, sort of censor it and weigh in on it and ask a question here and there. They're propagating really important information about public health, about public transportation, about safety and security. Um, for them to now suddenly have a hands-off attitude and let anything uh, run rampant across all of these platforms would just be radical. It would be, it would be a very different kind of a country that we have. It's hard to imagine how they could do their work uh, effectively, perhaps they would have to go to some other new platform and create something new. So to take your hypothetical, if anybody can say whatever they want, propagate any kind of, you know, conspiracy theory, 
false information, misinformation across these gigantic <laughs> platforms. The government would have to do something just to be able to tell us about, you know, the weather or whether or not roads are blocked. That's this guy saying that this is radical is to me radical. He's like, we're going to have a completely different country than we've ever had before. Yeah. Because I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It's called the country that we've always had. It's called free speech. Yeah. You don't just crack down. He is in such fear that the truth will get out. Oh, how dare. Oh, my gosh. We couldn't exist with if, if people were able to actually get truth out. Yeah. If, if people were actually able to get truth out, go go figure, right? Do so, you need to borrow my internet no, for we're the good. next story? Yeah. So here's this, this particular win is probably going to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is probably going to go to the Supreme Court. Margaret Cleveland says, the censorship industrial complex sees Americans and American speech as, squ as squarely within its purview when it comes to fighting supposed mis or disinformation. Tuesday's opinion on what day? Tuesday, the 4th of July, Independence Day. In Missouri versus Biden revealed, and that should terrify everyone, that it that it doesn't is a scandal nearly as mammoth as the gross violation of the First Amendment detailed in the court's 150-plus page opinion. Now, uh, I got, sorry, forgive me for getting Arkansas and Louisiana mixed up. So it was Missouri and Louisiana that came together on this case, but it was Missouri. It's it's called Missouri versus Biden. Great. So it's both states, both attorney generals nice. that are working on this. Uh, America Americans dedicated to our constitutional republic celebrated independence uh, with some icing on the cake when news broke that a federal court had enjoined large swaths of the Biden administration from coordinating with social media companies to censor speech. Presiding Judge Terry Dowdy's lengthy opinion proved a veritable treasure trove of details of the behind-the-scenes efforts by our government to silence dissenting voices. And his extensive exposition of the First Amendment law and his accompanying analysis of the preliminary facts uncovered through limited discovery provided a solid basis for his ruling that the plaintiffs would likely prevail in their free speech claims and the Supreme Court, at the Supreme Court, right, that were premised on the White House and numerous federal agencies, this is a quote, pressuring and encouraging social media companies to suppress free speech. Anyone who bothered to wade through the entirety of the opinion should be left shocked and outraged by what our federal overseers did. They targeted Americans, uh, us, you, that's what we're on Bridie on. Thank you, Mike Adams. Uh, and their speech and demanded censorship based on the content and viewpoints expressed once it contradicted the official government opposition. Sure, the speech censored was overwhelmingly conservative, a fact that the court highlighted, but that doesn't matter. After all, as Judge Dowdy stressed, the right to free speech is not a member of any political party and does not hold a political ideology. It is the purpose of the free speech clause of the First Amendment to preserve an uninhibited marketplace of ideas in which truth will ultimately prevail. Apparently, it did matter, however, for the outrage from the left censored not on the government's conduct, but on the judge's injunction. The left-wing sentiments seemed unaffected by our government seeking censorship of supposed medical misinformation. You know, the only thing uh, you're really allowed to post is if you get a paper cut, cut maybe use a Band-Aid. I don't even think you can put a... a, a but what a, if that person about supposed to breathe or something? So maybe you shouldn't even be allowed to tell people to use to, a Band-Aid. Yes. As the Washington Post editorial board reasoned, if communicating threats to the public safety or security of the United States to social media is permissible... Why not also other threats? Why not warn social media companies about medical misinformation during a public health emergency? The answer is simple. And Judge Dowdy 
uh, put it simply, the government does not have the right to determine the truth. Yet that is precisely the role our government took on during the COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic, assuming a similar, uh, a role similar to the Orwellian Ministry of Truth. That is from the judge in this case. Wow. They said that it was Orwellian and a Ministry of the Truth. We are in good territory right now. Great territory. Okay. One would think the supposed standard bearers of journals. This is why we pray. Come on now. Because you pray and you pray and you pray and you know and you believe and you declare we are going to have justice. We are going to have good judges. We are going to have good judgments. We are going to have good attorney generals. And our states are going to go and you declare it and you declare it and you declare it because you know it is decreed in the heavens. One would think that the supposed standard bearers of journalism, especially one publishing under the Democracy Dies in Darkness banner, would get that. But no, the corporate press's position seemed indistinguishable from the government's, which Dowdy also synthesized simply. While not admitting any fault in the suppression of free speech, the federal judge wrote in his Independence Day opinion, divinely appointed, divinely appointed. Michelle said things are going to turn down this independent turnaround. Did you not? Defendants blame the Russians. Defendants. White House blamed the Russians, COVID-19, and capitalism for any suppression of free speech by social media companies. That's from the judge in this case. From the government's perspective, the court explained, it was merely promoting necessary and responsible actions to to protect public health, safety, and security when confronted by a deadly pandemic and hostile foreign assaults on critical election infrastructure. But there will always be excuses to censor speech. If, quote, Exactly. If human nature and history teaches anything, it is that civil liberties face grave risks when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. Dowdy wrote, quoting Justice Neil Gorsuch, the true grave risk, I got goosebumps, uh, though, is that the plaintiffs show the government had done in pressure and what the plaintiffs have shown the government had done in pressuring big tech companies to censor their speech. What Dowdy, the judge, called arguably the most massive attack on free speech in United States history. And he is correct. But what our government did is only half of the scandal. Corporate media excusing the government censorship is just as outrageous because without the check on the government provided by a free and open press, those silence will be left with an insufficient remedy, a belated declaration that the government has violated its citizens' constitutional rights and an injunction barring a repeat of the censorship. The corrupt media refusing to condemn the Biden administration's censorship efforts has only emboldened the government. All right, so we'll see if conservatives care. I care. Do you care? I totally care. And I, I listen, guys, these types of things when they go to oppress us it can only go so far yes before it turns back around and especially like you said in the middle you hit the nail on the head this is the power prayer at work so speaking of censorship Mm. and i'm still fired up on this this is this is this is the holy spirit today guys i asked god before I did this show, I said, let your let your glory fall on this show tonight, show tonight, because I don't want to just bring the news. I want to bring heaven's daily report that, you know, just came to me. Whoa. It was, like, it was, it was fomenting it inside was, and, of me. And it just we want to bring out. you heaven's, heaven's daily, daily report. report. But I get, but unless you are in actual communication with heaven, you can't get the report. Right. But then I can give it to you. Then it's just your daily report. Yeah, but I can give it to you. So I literally was praying today, give me heaven's daily report. Get these people fired up. Let them know things are moving. The sound of freedom, the 4th of July. We 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 decreed 
Tell them what you said to de decree and declare over the 4th of July. What did I say? Well, <laughs> you were saying we're not just celebrating. We're actually, this is the, the, uh, this 4th of July was like a battle cry. We, it's called the Declaration of Independence for a reason. We don't just celebrate. Here's the deal. Our independence was the result of a war that happened that we won through the power of God. Yes. So when we celebrate Independence Day, we're actually mostly, and we said this this week with Alan Keyes, celebrating the Declaration of Independence because it was signed on the 2nd and ratified into, codified on the 4th, okay? This is the day that we made the declaration. And so this year, I am telling you guys that we have made an emancipation proclamation, a declaration to the freedom of the freedom from tyranny on every single level. And so I want you guys to be excited because, you know, it was kind of like a, a big gut punch a little bit on July 4th or July 2nd because it's like now the work begins. That's where we're at right now. This July 4th, with the movie The Sound of Freedom, it's like, okay, we have now declared the independence from sex slavery and human trafficking and a whole host of tyranny. We've now declared it. Now we actually have to go to war. Now, Not physical war, spiritual war, and take back the ground that is ours by right through the actual declaration. Absolutely. Well... There was something else as we're gallivanting around with banners for freedom and Crystal Elijah and uh, Philip Hickman, Hickman and Arise Ministries. We're all just, we're going to the Freedom Center, the Abolitionist Museum, Underground Railroad here in Cincinnati. We're just going to the fireworks. We're doing all these things. And get on my phone. And I find the headline is, there's a baggie of cocaine found in the White House. Where did that cocaine come from? Let's roll this clip. Kelly, the big change is where this was found. It was found, um, by my observation, in a much more secure place, limited access place, than that West Wing reception area. It's still a publicly trafficked, uh, a frequently trafficked place, but it's down near the Situation Room, right off West Executive, down below. And normal people, just average people, just can't get in there, even with the entry from the Northwest Gate. Well, let me let me bring you up to date with the reporting that I have. What we have learned is that there are, in fact, two West Wing entrances. You know that. I know that. But for the benefit of our audience. And now the investigation has progressed. And so they're saying the West executive entrance, which, as you noted, is closer to the Situation Room and closer uh, to uh, the Navy mess where there's the facilities for food and so forth. It is uh, also next to West Executive Drive. That's where, for example, the vice president's vehicle is parked. 18 acre complex is like a ring surrounding the whole thing. The only way to get in is to go through one of those checkpoints, right? So now you have to ask yourself, well, who could have possibly went through a checkpoint and brought cocaine in? And the answer is no one. It's someone who would have bypassed the checkpoints. Well, who bypasses the checkpoints? The Secret Service with the protectees. Biden, the Biden family members, Jill Biden. The Secret Service doesn't go through the checkpoints. They have guns. What the hell are they going to go through the checkpoints for? To detect guns? And they bring the protectees with them. The Secret Service didn't have cocaine on them. So it had to be one of the protectees. There's no other explanation. They would never have gotten through the checkpoint. There's not a chance in hell. They were driven in 
probably one of the family members was likely driven in by the Secret Service who had it on him, found it, and just left it in the White House. It's a simple explanation, man. Occam's So here's the deal. What I want to know is, are there drug-sniffing dogs at these checkpoints? That's a good question. For people to get in and out of the White House? I thought there were. I thought there were, too, because you would think that there were. There needs to be some sort of chemical-sniffing dog because, like, there's a lot of chemicals that you can use as a weapon. So if you, as a regular person that's not that doesn't have to bypass the checkpoint security, Hunter Biden, you're going to get sniffed. I think. I would I think, think it has to be. Otherwise, uh, you can bring all kinds of powders be. into the White House. Now, what's hilarious is that the White House is trying to say they just, just don't know where it came from. And everybody is like, so you have a cocaine addict that is the son of the president who was at the White House twice during and could have dropped it. But it's most assuredly not the crack addict presidential son. It's assuredly not him. We know it's not Hunter. We know Hunter isn't using crack anymore. We know that there must be somebody else either planting it because that it's a right it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. You got a son that sells popcorn on the corner. Hey, get your popcorn, New York. Yeah, I'm thinking like New York. Like, get your popcorn. He's the popcorn guy. He's known as the popcorn guy. Everybody knows him. He's the popcorn guy. A pile of popcorn ends up in the White House. Two days after the popcorn guy's there, whose popcorn is it? The popcorn guy. It's got to be the popcorn guy. You know what I'm saying? It can't be Hunter. It couldn't. It couldn't be. It couldn't be that the smartest guy in the world accidentally because you know it wasn't on purpose and that's the thing that gets me accidentally oh, dropped the, 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 the best question that should be asked is not whose is it who's the most likely to have had it the real question is who's the most likely to be dumb enough to leave something like that around popcorn guy it's popcorn guy it's popcorn guy and they know it's popcorn guy. They know it's popcorn guy. And with extra is, butter. <laughs> with extra cocaine with a hooker on the side. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is exactly what we actually kind of been praying for. You know why? Expose them, Lord. Now, no more exposing Hunter, Hunter Biden doesn't yeah. need to be exposed like, anymore. Like, we just need to expose Put your what clothes on, Hunter. Done. <laughs> just no more exposing of Hunter. Keep your clothes on, son. Uh, yes. But the ex- here's the thing. What I'm praying is that we, we've got the, they hired, they have a lesbian press secretary. They've got the transgender guy stealing people's clothes in the airport that's under arrest. They've got, uh, we have a health secretary that's a man with like, that pretends he's like an overweight middle-aged woman. This is, we're in clown world and then the, the whole, whole world, world is laughing. The whole world gets the headline cocaine found in the White House. And what do you think they're thinking about in Australia? Do you think, oh, well, it couldn't be Hunter. You didn't show them the clip of Hunter on the terrace. We will on the after show. Okay. Not on this one, though. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. All right. But it well, looks like he does a little hit right in front of everybody. Again, who would be stupid enough to do that? You know, who else Who else in the world, uh, on the world scene, does this a lot? There's two other people that we know for sure. Well, there's actually three. Uh, Jacinda, 
can't stop in New Zealand because you got it. I don't do cocaine. So if you see people like all the time, people have the sniffles, right? So Jacinda, Justin Trudeau and Macron all seem to have like a little bit of cocaine and a little twitch. And well, Jacinda obviously looks like she's on crack. Well, and she had to leave because of it. We think we are similar. similar exactly. Similar. But you don't have to leave. <laughs> but we do. We would like you on the break or after the show to go to the Brighty on Store. Go to the Brighty on Store. Brightyonstore.com. Support this amazing network. You can't get shows like this anywhere else. You can't get uncensored truth and free speech anywhere else like you can right here at Brighteon.tv with the most amazing and phenomenal producers and crew behind the scene that you ever could imagine. So support this network. Go to brightyonstore.com. Use promo code CHICKS. Everything that you need for gifts, for all sorts of things, for prepping, for survival, for even homesteading. It's all right there. So go there, visit brightyonstore.com, and come right back right after these messages. So, so Michelle, on Real America's Voice, we, ha- we covered this on Wednesday. The Sound of Freedom? No, we're not going there oh. yet. We're still on the cocaine. So we covered having to buy. We are not on cocaine. And that's the and that's your problem. Patriot Gallery, our mom, came down the stairs on the break down into the studio and she's like, Hey Leah, you need to watch telling people that that's wrong because you do it on the show all the time. You got like okay. an itchy nose, and then you come back saying we're on cocaine. I'm I'm not and, and what did I say? I would be thinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The uh, <laughs> So this is, the, we were talking about the game of Clue. So a dime bag of cocaine that was first outside the White House. Then it was inside the White House. And then it was in the library. In the and library. then it was in the West Wing work area. Then in a high traffic cell phone drop of Cubby outside the West Wing is now said to have been found in a very limited access location near the Situation Room. I am seeing this kind of this um, Ant-Man type floating bag of cocaine. Maybe there was more than one. Oh, you know, and that's- And the cocaine just be everywhere. There was cocaine. And and so maybe they- So you just did it again. Downplaying it. It's, 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 it's a- Now it's in your head. Now it's in my head. So cocaine was found in the limited access place near the White House Situation Room. Average people just can't get there. It's enough to make us go on a wild goose chase because let's we all want to be our own reporter. I feel so, like we're chasing down a little bag of So cocaine. who would have been outside the White House at that time? Well, no, it wasn't outside. Okay, and then everybody rushes to find out, well, it was inside. Okay, well, who would have been inside? Then it was in the library. And everybody asked, well, who would have had access to the library? And then it was in the West Wing work area. Well, who would have had access there? And then it was at a high-traffic cell phone drop-off cubby uh, outside the West Wing. So it was nowhere near. And now it's said to be found in a very limited access location near the Situation Room. This is what happens when you lie and can't keep your story straight. Hey, first tell them this. And then, then this is what happens. They're like, tell them it was here. And then it's like, no, that's not working out. They're all saying this. Okay, so tell them it was here. It's a no, good that's thing. not working out because everybody said that. And they will tell them it was here. And we just got to tell them where it's it was. It's a good thing it wasn't anthrax because that would have gotten around, you know? Because they can't identify who would have dropped off anthrax in the White House. <laughs> that's a good question. Can we do an investigation into this? I guarantee you they would have found out who dropped off the anthrax. They don't want to know who dropped there off the There are cocaine. security cameras everywhere. 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 You know, if you and I went in there with a bag of Twinkies and dropped one, we everybody would have known who did it. That's okay, well, it wouldn't have been us because we don't carry Twinkies, but you know what I mean. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. Um... The White House definitely needs to explain this, but um, 
they the Pierre Jean whatever her name is the that press secretary. the press secretary was said it was very irresponsible of whoever did it. No, 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 no. She didn't say that. Oh, really? No, she said it's the irresponsible part is us assuming it's Hunter. She says it's very irresponsible for you to assume that it's Hunter. It's very irresponsible of you. So, but who's going to take the responsibility for the coke? Are you being responsible? Maybe, maybe this Pierre woman wants to just take the fall. That so would be the responsible. The thing White House that tracked down grannies after the Capitol riot wants you to believe the cocaine caper has been stumped, has has them stumped, has absolutely has them stumped. Yes, the White House is apparently giving up. Just what? giving up. They're giving up on on finding out who was responsible for leaving the illicit drug in the executive mansion last weekend. At least that's what Political reported based on the testimony of an unnamed law enforcement. The White House cocaine culprit unlikely to be found, law enforcement says. A snarky subhead noted, lines may have been snorted and crossed, but it's possible we won't know by whom. Officials evacuated the White House on Sunday evening after a white powdery substance was reportedly discovered in a work area in the West Wing. The location later changed to near the Situation Room. Dispatches from the emergency crews at the scene quickly confirmed that the unknown item was a bag of cocaine. We have a yellow bar stating cocaine. It literally says on it, cocaine hydrochloride, the D.C. Uh, firefighter said. The White House is supposedly equipped with state-of-the-art security that would make finding the druggie who lost his illegal loot incredibly easy. If the Capitol has, an, has you, these cameras, wouldn't the White here's House why have they camera don't, Here's every, why they will never be able to find who did it. So the White House... Wait, I'm going to okay, tell okay. you. Here's why. Okay, why? Because they aren't going to be following Hunter Biden on the cameras. They'll oh. be looking at everyone else, everywhere else. They can't yeah. be found because we're not going to look at Hunter. Yeah, the White House staff and visitors are required to go through multiple security checkpoints before entering areas like the West Wing. Some of these screening areas are even equipped with dogs oh, your there answer, we go. that are you. trained to alert to illegal substances. And they obviously, if there's one substance they would be trained to, it would be cocaine, right? Where metal detectors and cameras fail, swarms of Secret Service and White House visitor logs are designed to prevail. Against a bag of cocaine, however, Politico's inside man suggests all of these are just impossible to overcome. Even if there were surveillance cameras, unless you were waving it around, it may not have even been caught. It's a bit of a thoroughfare. People walk by there all the time. Unless the cocaine came from a member of the first family, such as Senator Biden, who potentially actually resides at the White House. What? People think that, that, that there people are saying online that he actually lives there right now. No way. Which makes the bag of cocaine make more sense. I mean, seriously. So he wasn't just there for a visit. And guess what? And he gets a free pass to walk in and out of all the doors without scrutiny. Finding the cocaine culprit should be an open and door a shut case for the excellence through talent, technology, and diversity within the, through, within the Secret Service. Yet the Biden administration repeatedly showcases a lack of interest. They don't care. And I guarantee you behind the scenes, all of these people are so used to cocaine and very illicit drugs so they're wait, like they, their wait, wait, conversations wait, wait, wait. are not like our conversations they're like it was just a bag of coke Come no on, no let no. It go. no but this is this is what i want to know if that cocaine caper actually caper. was was a security breach by some somebody they don't know and it wasn't hunter yeah then is the is the first family safe you know such a good point because anybody could bring in a small baggie of any of, of anthrax or something like that 
Right. And and so no one's safe. No one's safe. But that's why I'm saying no they don't safe. care because it was just cocaine. Just it's just cocaine? heavily trafficked. There's many visitors. Hmm. So many people just coming and going from the White House all the time. Can't keep them straight. Only the, We only have a son who has a note who, in an interview, remember when he said he was trying... He, he was smoking everything he could that looked like cocaine in his house mm -hmm. because he's known to, to put it places. He, well, like random places. Well, is I that, don't know. Are is that those crumbs? Co I, that could be a bag that dropped out of my pocket. Sure could be. Who knows? It's, it's Hunter. We all know it is. All right. So when we did in a lighter note and I, I, well, is it lighter? Yeah. Well, the win of it is the win. <sighs> the subject is, is hard. the subject is very hard. So we took, Tell them what we did. Monday night, we did a we kicked off a three day event right here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we took a group of people down to our local local with fireworks freedom, with banners for freedom, and Robert. the Remnant Re Revolution Tour. That's remnantrevolutiontour.com, and we went and handed out sixty tickets, but not just tickets, not just tickets, advertisements. I printed out one hundred and seventy two pieces of paper and little packets for the sound of freedom with a link to go and see it any time that they wanted for free. So 172 groups, not just people, groups got one of these pamphlets to go and see the sound of freedom for free on their own time. Now, 60 people got free tickets to come with us the very next day with 83 people that we already had. We packed out a movie theater Okay, and we went and saw the sound of freedom with people who had never even heard of it. The reception that we had on Monday night while handing out these uh, pieces of paper for the sound of freedom, it was overwhelmingly like, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm about that. Thank you for doing this. If you guys uh, have an inkling to do this, uh, get some tickets, take them to your neighbor, say, I'll take you to the theater. You want to go with me? Grab somebody and go. Just do because it. Because you, you, this is not a movie that should be seen um, in an empty theater or actually even at home. I really believe this is a group movie. Yeah. You need to see how other people are reacting to it. Mm -hmm. You need to experience it with other people and you need to pray afterwards. That's what we did. We gathered everybody that was that was able to stay together. Not not the whole theater wasn't able to stay, but a group of people able to stay and we prayed. And that video, every time I look at it, it's got another thousand views on it. It's being shared like wildfire on Facebook because people are very hungry for prayer, for people's reactions, for reviews of the film. So we went outside in the parking lot. We gathered in a big circle. Um, and we prayed and, and we just let everybody pray. And then we got exit interviews. Yeah. And awesome. if you guys want to stick for our after show, I'm going to show you some other people's exit interviews and a Jim Caviezel after show. Yeah, that's really fun. And where he is just so emotional and the emotional response. But I have a couple clips for you that I want to share. If you've seen the movie, there is a, a, a part in the movie where a very wealthy millionaire billionaire helps to fund Tim Ballard's raid on an island off of Columbia. Mm -hmm. And the actor is actually the producer of the movie. And I want to uh, roll this clip of Edward, can you say his last name? Vestiargway. And he is going to respond to the criticism. Did you know there's a lot of criticism that says that this is that us? Exposing oh, it's a QAnon right wing conspiracy. Sex trafficking is, is we're, we're exploiting it and making it bigger than it really is. 
This is a true story that they're telling. Exactly. And actually, this movie is so downplayed, it's not even funny. On level 1 to 100 on how bad this movie can be and how harmful it would be to watch, you are looking at like a zero point, a, like point zero two. Yeah, it's very, very They barely mild. scratch the surface. It's so mild. Don't tell me that they're over-blowing this. It was so mild. Absolutely was. All right, let's roll this clip. Doubt. And we are talking, as you said, innocent children. Tens of thousands trafficked in the United States. Organs, as you said, being harvested. And here's the reaction to the film about a real life individual, Tim Ballard, who rescues these children. Here's the takeaway from The Guardian. Sound of Freedom, the QAnon adjacent thriller seducing America. They go on to call it a paranoid new movie. What is your reaction when you hear a headline like that? Well, you know, I'm just so grateful that the people are showing up in theaters. Yes. I mean, we have a we have a goal of two million people in theaters for two million children that will be trafficked this year, and we're very close to to get to that goal. And this is amazing. And this is important because if we succeed in the uh, in theaters, then the media is going to talk about this problem. Millions of people will not about will know about this because there's a lot of people they don't know that this is real. They think that this is too far from them. It's happening next door behind your house. And the more people, if, the, if more people know about this problem, so there's no excuse anymore to say, oh, I didn't know. Well, now you know. What are you going to do? I'm focusing on that right now. There is a lot of, you know, uh, distractions out there. They're, they're being, you know, they're trying to take this movie away from theaters. There's, I made this film five years ago. For three years, everyone passed, Netflix, mm -hmm. Amazon. Everybody said, this is not for us. This is not for us. This is not for us. Until finally, I was praying for an angel to come and rescue this film and Angel Studios came. And because mm -hmm. of them now, millions of people are watching this film. As you said, at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, when they leave the theater, they, you know, they're crying, they're, they're touched, they, they want to become ambassadors of freedom. And my goal as a filmmaker is that when people see the movie, they will ask the same question that I asked myself eight years ago. What can I do? Because now that you know it, if you do nothing, then that's sad. Then you're part of the problem. And I want everyone to be part of the solution. I did this exercise uh, when I met Tim Ballard. I closed my eyes and I said, what if this is my son? What if... What if this is my daughter? What would I do? I will stop everything that I'm doing and I will hope that the entire world will stop everything they're doing so they can help me to find my child. That's my motivation. That's what I wake up every day in the morning to fight to end child trafficking. I made a promise to God that I would dedicate my entire life to end child I just, I, having seen the movie and see him play that part, I'm just like, I have just such an overwhelming sense of thankfulness yeah. that these people have not given up. And of course, Netflix passed. And of course, all of these other production companies passed because they were not anointed to do it. And so here's the deal, guys. When it comes to Angel Studios, and I know you guys were upset that they um, defended one of their cameramen having a pride flag or whatever for the chosen boycott Angel Studios. I am telling you what, that studio, everyone is going to have its faults. No one is going to do it 100% right. But this right here is 100% right. You must support this film. Yes, you have to go see it. And in good good news, people are supporting it and they are seeing it. And I have a clip here from Ben Shapiro explaining just how awesome Sound of Freedom did at the box office. So on the 4th of July weekend, it beat out every other movie, including Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. Everybody, I was so crazy. When we were in the theater, uh, we, we bought out a theater. They added a, another screening of it. Um, 
And there were, there were screenings of it all day long. We had extra tickets and we started like right before we were going into the theater and we started handing out tickets to people who were showing up to the movies just to see a movie. We're like, do you want to see this one for free? And they're like, yeah. It was so amazing to see so many people going in to see this movie. Yeah. I'm here to see this movie. I'm here to see this movie. And, and, you know, with all these other Christian movies, it's like one showing one time on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And this was multiple showings all day long, matinee on, starting at 11 a.m. And going and going, and people are taking more and more of their friends. If you go to Angel Studios on the Pay It Forward, uh, there's literally a real-time tracker of people buying tickets. I know. And with those people buying tickets, these showings could go on for months. Yes. And you know what? Because guess what? A theater full of people that got, that maybe somebody took them to like we did. It's going to do with our friend Caitlin, who went and took her friends to the theater. And then asked everybody, strangers, complete it's strangers all to, pay to pray afterwards. We gave her a free ticket. Yeah. And then she went and took a friend. Yeah. And now and, she's going to buy more tickets and take more friends. And then she's going to buy, and then it just keeps going and going and going. It's absolutely amazing. So can we roll this clip about how awesome it did? Sound of Freedom has been almost entirely ignored by the mainstream press. We talked with Jim Caviezel and um, Tim Ballard, who are involved in the making of the movie. The Sound of Freedom has blown it out at the box office. David Suisa, writing in the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles, points out that this uh, this movie grossed around $11 million on its July 4th opening. Its per screen average was twice that of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. About 4,600 bucks in 2,600 theaters compared to 2,600 bucks in 4,600 theaters for Indiana Jones. The movie's been blacked out of any coverage from mainstream outlets because, of course, Jim Caviezel is uh, an overt Christian. And uh, the media apparently don't care all that much about child trafficking. So there are very there are lots of important messages the media are perfectly willing to resonate to, including, of course, uh, gay storylines for children. But when it comes to actually fighting sex trafficking of children by making a mainstream movie about it, the media have completely blacked out Sound of Freedom. Uh, Sound of Freedom doesn't matter. It's been doing amazing at the box office, thanks to people like you. And if you haven't seen the film yet, you totally should. It is it is worth the watch. Here's a little bit of the preview. You know, what I find really sad is, again, this idea that this is this is a conspiracy theory and it's blowing it. What is blowing what what they're saying is blowing it out of proportion is the response. But if The Guardian had actually seen the film, which they have, so they're, they're now lying, they would note one thing that I was really disappointed in with this film. If I had one thing to be disappointed in, it was the fact that on it really, really did downplay the scale of it, except for at the very end when they gave some statistics via words. The whole movie's over, and they give the $150 billion industry that sex trafficking yeah. is, yeah. but the but the film really just focused on less than 100 kids, maybe? So Jordan Peterson interviewed Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel, and he actually made a very good point. He said, when you have such a vast problem like this, it's hard to just... To, to swallow big numbers. Mm-hmm. So it's better actually to divest it in divest your time into one story yeah. that people can grasp and understand and swallow. And then they can go do the research sure. for the numbers. Because when you put yourself into the position of Tim Ballard is rescuing a young boy and then the young boy asked Tim Ballard to go find his sister. Right. And it's about finding his sister and rescuing um a bunch of other kids and actual 
uh, sex trafficking, traffickers being caught. Right. When Tim Ballard leaves the government and does this on his own, Kinda like goes some rogue. sort of A team. He's awesome, yeah. Like, seriously, Tim Ballard has created an A-team. And this is the A-team that we need. This is the A-team that you need. Um, you know who's on the D-team? The devil? Kamala Harris. Well, the devil, too, yeah. Yeah, the Kamala Harris. Yeah, so join us for the after show on resistancechicks.com and Rumble. You can always watch it afterwards on our brighteon.com channel. And we are going to talk more about the sound of freedom. Uh, we're going to show you some exit interviews. We'll show you the prayer that we talked about. We're just going to just do all things sound of freedom. So you guys are going to want to see that. But uh, be, be, before we go on to that, there was something else this week. Kamala Harris had a, a very moving speech mm, about this moved. moment in time. And I couldn't do this writing on show without showing you that Kamala Harris really does have 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 a grasp on reality and time and the moment that we're in right now. Could you roll this? Well, I think culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment that is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> we, have, we have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. I think about it in that way too, because joy comes in the morning. Because joy, she didn't know what to do. So what she this is how she, her mind she gets works. uncomfortable and then she starts cackling, and then she starts to repeat herself, and then she looks back and like like the rolodex in her mind. So and then the joy of the moment, which comes joy, in the morning. Joy, joy, joy comes in the morning. You know, and it's absolutely like I don't know if she's a robot or what, but I think it would be hilarious. A robot would do better. Yeah, but she's kind of like one that's a robot. On, on had uh, listen, I use Grammarly a lot of times, and and they will like re if you have too many repeats there, they're going to tell you. Oh yeah, that's true. But the you moment, know, but I really appreciated her emphasizing the moment. You know, just like the yellow school buses mm -hmm. and the passage of time and the significance of the passage of time. Where we are at in this moment will be and reflected on how we react to the passage of time in the moment and then we're going to go to the moon and then you're going to see the moon you guys are going to see the moon but i don't know which one because i'm not going to talk about hunter okay so <laughs> we want you guys to join us all right every week right here on brighteon.tv resistance chick 6 p.m we love you guys god loves you god bless remember it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth we will see you next week. And in the meantime, I hope that you've had a wonderful, happy 4th of July and Independence Day. God bless America. And God bless you guys. Bye. Welcome back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It is the 7th of July, 2023. And oh my gosh, have we had a packed we week. We blew up the box office. We were part of it. You probably were too. And if you got to see The Sound of Freedom, I want you guys to join us on this episode. And even if you haven't, uh, there might be a few behind-the-scenes spoilers, but you're going to want to hear no, about it before you see the movie. No, they're still good. Uh, I have some interviews of Jim Caviezel that you guys 
uh, need to see about what went on before uh, the film was made, as the film was being produced, and then um, I have some exit interviews for you. So this is going to be a very fun episode. It's going to be a phenomenal episode, but I do want to kind of give you guys a recap of this week. And I don't know why this camera is still low here today. We're going to try and really raise it up there. There we go. That's better. We have been promoting this event for a while. Yes. This three-day event that we did yeah. with the Remnant Revolution Tour. And it went infinitely better than we could have imagined. Yes. Like, I don't even have words. Power My, like, show. when we were handing out these tickets at the Sparks in the Park, leading into that, I really wasn't sure how it was going to go. Yeah. You know, we've done street ministry mm -hmm. before. We've done witnessing and prayed with people to get saved. Right, right, right. I kind of had expected it to be like that, yeah. and it wasn't. The people that we were interacting with, we just kind of asked them, hey, do you want to go to the movies with us tomorrow? And they're like, well, what sure. are you seeing? Sure. And then when we, when we told them about it, some a lot of people were disappointed. They're like, I can't tomorrow. Yeah. We're like, that's okay, because here's this you know, link for you guys to go and see it on your own for free. Yeah, two, two million in pay it forward tickets. That's incredible. So we had shirts um, that said two, they say two million for two million or something like mm -hmm. that. This is the goal. Michelle, why is this film so important? Why are you making such a stink about it? You know what? I have answers, but I'm going to give you this one. I don't know. I don't know exactly why this film is so important. Yeah. But I can tell you that it is. Yeah. It, this film is the Uncle Tom, Tom's Cabin of our era and it doesn't just cover human slavery it doesn't just cover sex trafficking what this film does is expose the i don't know if i can say this on facebook the global cable company can i say cable instead of the other word y'all know what i'm saying it's spelled a little bit differently of this network of tyranny that's what this film exposes. It exposes the fact that in order for the human trafficking to continue, it has to be a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And it has to have buyers. And yeah. these buyers have to have lots of money. This is not the same thing, mm -hmm. even, Leah, as prostitution, the mm -hmm. way we know it. And yeah. pimps. Yeah. They would have us believe that sex trafficking is the same thing as just prostitution and people being a pimp or something like that. Yeah. That's how I... they're downplaying this. The Guardian came out. We covered this on Brighty on TV today. The Guardian came out saying this is a QAnon right, right wing. Right wing conspiracy that we're over overplaying it. Don't. And, why do you guys keep talking about the sex trafficking and the child pedophilia? Stop like, talking about it. It's stop. not a big deal. You're overblowing it. Nobody it, really cares. How in the world... Can the, here's the deal, only people who are in on it. In on it could say can that. Can say it. Yeah. Only, let that sink in. The Guardian has come out saying that this is not a big deal. It, this whole film is over, when the film actually underplays it by a million, mm -hmm. is overplaying this. Right. Then, then you now know mm -hmm. that the Guardian is in on, I'll just say it it in on it all right so i want to run through some clips first i have an interview with um tbn that tim ballard and jim caviezel did before the premiere uh and they're going to give us a little bit of a lowdown some some behind the scenes information here you got i got it queued up we're ready to go so stuart the brit said 
I put that film link three times on Facebook. Very funny. Funny it never happened. Hmm. That's some heavy censorship right there. And wow. he's in the UK. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's let's look at this because I I'm excited to see what TVN TVN's interview is like here. I heard this in my heart when I was filming it. I mean, these are the deepest the deepest prayers I ever have done. Um, have always made me the greatest of the man that I couldn't be without Jesus. And he said, um, can you love my children more than you fear evil? Can you love, just as can you love Jesus more than you fear the cross? <laughs> and there is a go-to time and a power that is extraordinary where, um, where I'm not afraid of anything. And my heart was so on fire that uh, I, it was the best I ever was. And I gave my career to Jesus. You pick my roles for me, <laughs> you know? And so in this time period where we're seeing films that are just, it, I mean, it has to be intentional where Christianity is completely sidelined mm. and we continue to take it. Mm. We get on our knees with our mask on rather than standing on our feet. Reagan said, and I kind of made a few amendments, but we cannot but buy our security of one nation under God, our freedoms in Christ, our savior from the threat of the devil any longer by committing an act of immorality so great as saying to millions and millions of little children now caught behind the iron curtain of sex trafficking, <laughs> give up your dreams of freedom now because in order to save our own skins, we're just too willing to make a deal with your slave masters. Wow. And Alexander Hamilton said that any nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. And back at what you said, yes, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. This is in the gospels. You read it, you, you've got, you know, John the Baptist. Well, I don't want to be him. Well, why not? I mean, <laughs> what about St. Paul? I don't want to read him. He got his head chopped off too. You know, we're all playing a, a character in scripture right now. It's wow. not just a history book. It wow. is actually something when you read it, you feel it burning in your hearts. That fire comes on. Oh, it's just never the best, the greatest. That was, you know, what I believe this was all intended in. I embraced this guy because he, he had a childlike quality to him, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the belief that, you know, it doesn't matter how bad this is. Kind of like David walking down and having these guys just hearing Goliath just rip the yeah. Philistines ripping on his yeah. God. That's all he couldn't take. Right. And someone like this guy walks over to these leaders and he says, mm -hmm. after I take his head off, you're going to go around the backside. And th that's what men follow. They follow courage. Yeah. And that to me is what I want to be as a Christian. And I don't, I'm not always that. Yeah. And you know, God doesn't always choose the best, but he chose me. So what am I going to do about it? Mm. That's so, but he chose me. So what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I think there's a lot of you out there that God has chosen and yeah. you don't feel equipped and you don't feel ready. And you're like, I can't do this, but he has chosen you. So now yeah. what are you going to do about it?
Right. And I don't know if you want to bring up the IMDb for people to see the faces of this, but I want to kind of give you a background on these real life events and who uh, Tim Ballard is and how he has the Underground Railroad, uh, the Operation Underground Railroad. So Tim Ballard is a prominent figure in the fight against human trafficking. He founded the Operation Underground Railroad, a nonprofit organization dedicated to rescuing victims and bringing traffickers to justice. Uh, Tim Ballard began his career as a special agent for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Human Trafficking Division in 2006. Ballard embarked on his first undercover rescue mission while working for the government. He posed as a sex tourist to infiltrate a child sex trafficking ring in Cartagena. Cartagena. They said it in the movie. Cartagena. Cartagena. Yeah. Colombia. This operation resulted in the successful rescue of multiple children and the rest of several traffickers. It was a pivotal moment for Tim uh, after he realized the urgent need for a dedicated organization to combat human trafficking. Inspired by his experience, he left his government position and founded the Operation Underground Railroad in 2013. So um, there are several people in this movie, and one of them was real. So in the opening scene, you see a character named Gazelle. Uh, she inspired by she's inspired by Kelly jo Joanna Suarez, a former beauty pageant queen and model known as Miss. Uh, I can never say uh, I can't say that name, but in Columbia City, Cartagena. Okay, just Dece go H. Deceives Hane. a young girl and her brother. Suarez exploited her reputation in a poverty-stricken neighborhood to recruit children. So she's actually a real character. The other real character is Vampiro, also known as Batman, is a real person, and most of his introduction in the film reflects his true story, except for his alleged jail time. The real-life Batman has never been incarcerated. He never solicited a 14-year-old prostitute. In reality, his relationship was with an adult trafficking victim, and it was her daughter's exploitation that inspired his involvement in the fight against trafficking. So Fiego, there's a character known Fuego. as Fuego, uh, is based on a real person who was apprehended during a Operation Triple Take uh, as an undercover operative. Tim Bauer directly negotiated with Fuego. Fuego's choice of wearing a hat featuring Che uh, uh, Guevara, uh, a symbol of Mexis, Marxist revolution, intrigued him. Fuego brazenly declared, because I'm the revolutionary in selling girls. So the rescue on the island that you see in the movie is actual fact. The movie portrays a dramatic raid on an island to rescue children trapped on a vast trafficking ring. In reality, the intense operation was part of actually a, co a coordinated effort called Operation Triple Take, conducted by Operation Underground Railroad and the Homeland Security Investigations of Columbia. The joint operation rescued uh, 123 survivors, 55 minors, uh, and other people who are not children part of the sex trade, right? So in the film, the raid uh, uh, near uh, in Colombia is depicted where approximately 50 victims are rescued. While the movie focuses on child survivors, it is important to note that not all rescued individuals were minors in real life. Prior to Operation Triple Take, Operation Underground Railroad had already conducted operations in uh, Haiti and others in Colombia and the Dominican Republic, D Dominican Republic in that same year. The successful outcome of Operation Triple Take earned it the distinction of being um, HSI's case of the year in 2015, referred to as Clear Hope. Wow. Uh, the children in the movie are a fact. Throughout the film, we witness the harrowing stories of various children who have fallen victim in sex trafficking. These characters are based on real-life individuals who have been rescued at different points in time, among them the little character Miguel.
So in the movie, after Tim Ballard rescues Miguel, the young boy presents him with a dog tag necklace inscribed with Timoteo. The scene is true to the real story, as Miguel's sister had given him the necklace in the movie before they separated. To them, the necklace symbolized hope for rescue and a better future. In reality, the, in, this incident occurred while Tim Ballard was still serving as an HSI special agent, and the little boy indeed gifted him the necklace. The necklace featured a scripture reference to 1 Timothy 6.11 and the words, Man of God, engraved on it. Wow. It wasn't until Tim took the necklace home and showed it to his family that his son pointed out that his name was on it. Tim knew this necklace, this message, I have goosebumps, symbolized a new calling for him. The moment he received the necklace, he knew he needed to dedicate his life to the rescuing of trafficked children. Moreover, Miguel's sister is a real person. The storyline in the film depicting Tim's unwavering determination to find the one is based on the true pursuit of a child named Gardy. The film encapsulates Tim's relentless efforts to locate them, but I do believe that Gardy has not been found. Okay. So did Kim, now here are some facts and fictions. So if you haven't seen it, then I don't know if you don't, if you don't want to know any spoilers then you can just fast forward through this part or come back in a minute. But if you've seen it, you're going to want to know some of these facts. So did, did, has Tim Ballard actually killed someone? Well, that part is actually fiction. Uh, there is a scene towards the end where Tim is shown killing a man to rescue a child. This depiction does not reflect the reality. Operation Underground Railroad is, is an organization committed to rescuing children from sex trafficking, and though plenty of us would be just fine with you killing them all, uh, the, Tim Ballard's character snaps the neck of a uh, drug lord, and yeah. um, he, I guess Tim has never taken a life. He has, it's, he has never actually taken a life in this um in his operations. And if he did, I would hope that he just wouldn't tell us. <laughs> um, did Tim go into the jungle alone? Now that was actually made up too. In the film, Tim assumes the role of a doctor and ventures into a Colombian jungle to locate the sister of the young boy following Operation Triple Take. In real life, Tim did lead a team of operatives who posed as doctors on a mission in a jungle along the border of Haiti and the Dominican Republic a few years after Operation Triple Take in their pursuit of finding Gardy. Although no rescue operation took place during that mission, it significantly contributed to to the ongoing search for Gardy. Furthermore, the dedicated operators were able to provide essential medical assistance to numerous children in need. So, uh, the movie accurately depicts human trafficking, fact and fiction. So, in the beginning of the film, real security camera footage is shown depicting various kidnappings. While such incidents do occur in the realm of human trafficking, it's important to recognize that they do not re represent the majority. When we think of sex trafficking, our mind often conjures up images of dimly lit foreign alleyways where vulnerable street children are abducted, exploited, and sold. While this is a horrifying reality, it's crucial to understand that sex trafficking is not limited to foreign countries. It is an alarming issue within the United States, and it's on the rise. According to the National National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, reports of human trafficking have been documented in all 50 states 
Predators can take on different forms, including soccer coaches, trusted teachers, neighbors, uncles, and aunts. Furthermore, the film portrays children being held in shipping containers. It is worth noting that the movie took creative liberties in depicting the different methods of child trafficking. While instances do exist where children are trapped in various vehicles, the majority of trafficking occurs through a manipulative grooming process. The Sound of Freedom effectively portrays this in the child modeling scenes where children and sometimes their parents are lured with promises of money and food and affection. You know, it's very interesting. I um, watched a video of a... Um, like a just a 20-year-old girl who was trying to make some money on the side. She saw an ad like on Craigslist for Models Wanted. And she was a fitness model, only one in specific fitness models. And she's like, well, I could be a fitness model. And she talked to these people on the phone. And they sounded legit. They had a website. She talked to a woman on the phone. Everything will be taken care of. Um, and she flies out to California. It was like super legit. They pick her up. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. And they're like, Hey, do you want to stop? Or, um, are you hungry or something like that? And she's like, no, I ate. And he goes, Oh, well, people don't normally eat before girls don't normally eat before where we're going to take them. And she's like, well, I don't understand. I, I, I eat. And, um, what happened was, is there was this, and, and these guys have been arrested and there's an, still, I believe, an ongoing trial. What they would do is they lure women in, and then they would take their phone, and they would traffic them. And she was actually um, raped and abused, and she didn't tell anybody mm. about it because she was just so ashamed that she was so stupid, that she was so – she's like, no one's going to believe me because um, – I went out here all by myself and I thought I knew what I was doing. And that's how most trafficking goes. So there, a lot of the trafficking goes, um, uh, through, they'll go to strip clubs and they'll get women who are already strippers and they'll say, well, come <clears throat> here, come with us. And they, um, will traffic you, um, and but that's not that's not necessarily even the majority, though, because I will say this, that here in the United States and especially in Ohio, um, we were at the National Underground Railroad Museum and they were depicting that at the kind of the intersection of um, 70 Route 70 and 75 here. And there was a testimony of, of a woman. It is one of the highest intersections for um, for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. They abduct children like nobody's business right here in Ohio. I know they do it a lot in Wisconsin as well. Mm -hmm. So there are, so there are legitimate child well, abductions. So in Cincinnati, that, that lead to... there was a woman caught on a ring doorbell. She's a no, she was, she was Not arrested. just Cincinnati. It was like, right. Yeah. It was really close. Like it a city just... outside. I think it was within Cincinnati proper, but I'm thinking of the more local neighborhoods that are very close to us. Okay. I just said Cincinnati. Yeah. And she was trying to, to pick Anderson. up a child and she was posing at, she, was she knocked on the door and told this child, you got to come with me. I, I have to take you to your parents. Yeah. And she was a child trafficker. Yeah. She just go up and, and the thing of it is, is that we were at the fireworks and there was a child that went missing, missing. And I think to myself, we had just seen this film by the way. Yeah, and, and we don't know whatever happened to Lucy. We do, actually. She was found. I made a post about it in the um, the our Facebook group of our Ooh, city. And thank you, Jesus. They, she found her within 10 minutes. The mom actually came back and posted. She's like, that was my daughter. It was the scariest 10 minutes of my life. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to play a few of these um, clips. So if we go backwards for where we're at. Let me go ahead and screen share for, for you, and then you can take over. 
All right, I want to play for you some of these uh, exit kind of reviews. After the about to watch is my honest review after the movie Sound of Freedom. Um, the theme of that movie was God's children are not for sale. Here you go. I figured I'd just make this video because I just got out of Sound of Freedom. And um, all I could think about that whole time was how much I want to be a father. And that if that, I'm not even a father yet. It terrifies me to know. kid can just go missing and you don't know what to do I've seen a lot of movies and I've seen a lot of movies and you know they can make you they can move you emotionally or or what and I watched that whole movie and I just I, 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 I was just watching the movie I, I the emotion wasn't wasn't creeping in or anything and then at the very end, um, Jim, the actor Jim Caviezel gives a, a little message. You guys should stick to the end after the credits for that so message. It becomes so real. It becomes, it becomes this thing where you realize that this is happening. It's happening. And it's like no one wants to talk about it. But all I can think about is how I, I want to be a father. So I want to encourage you guys, though, as we watch these, because I don't know, I haven't seen them yet. Leah, Leah has watched these um, exit interviews. Just know that there, there, it's not a feeling of hopelessness. No, we the film itself is part of the answer. Yes, seeing it, sharing it, yes. knowing that we have. Once people wake up after Uncle Tom's Cabin went out and was read by yeah. millions. Yeah. The Civil War happened, and there's a change, and and now we have the Thirteenth Amendment, and it's like. Okay, let's move. Let's go. So don't feel depressed. I did not feel depressed. As a matter of fact, when we did our exit interviews, one of the girls was like, I feel so much hope now. Mm -hmm. I never thought I'd be doing a movie review, but here we are. I went and saw The Sound of Freedom earlier today, and there won't be any spoilers in this video. As you might suspect, this one's a little more personal to me because I worked internet crimes against children. The movie's heavy. My wife decided to sit this one out. She's very empathetic, which makes her a great doctor but this one might be a little too much. I related very closely with the emotions of the main character. I've never sat in a full theater before and it be so quiet. The movie itself is fairly quiet. One thing I notice is not an over amount of dialogue and they use other tools to get the message across. And this is also a very male dominated movie. That's how men communicate. I basically felt like I had a knot in my stomach the whole movie. Then I cried when I got out to my car. If you didn't know, this movie's based on a true story, and the main character is a real person. And every time I kept thinking, this wouldn't have happened, that truth kept bringing me back to the movie. At one point, the main character says, this job will tear you apart. That hit home for me. And you intentionally look for the small victories to do some good. Be ready if you go see this. This movie's not entertaining like a Steven Spielberg movie. I think it's necessary, like an expressive documentary. And the one thing I kind of want you to keep in mind, as tough as this movie is, 
it doesn't remotely come close to the raw reality in working the cases. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Leah. I actually expected to have a knot in my stomach the whole movie, mm -hmm. and I did not. And I've not been in that man's position before. Okay. So mm -hmm. I want to encourage you that, like, you expect to go and see this movie like you're going to watch someone being raped for two hours. Yeah. It's not, it's literally nowhere even close to that. Mm -hmm. You can right. see this movie, and, it, and actually, you can. At, at, at some point, it was about 10 minutes in because my expectations were causing me to have a physical reaction. Mm -hmm. And then when I realized that the film was so muted, yeah. I, then the knot kind of went away. He's reciting a prayer in Arabic. My commandment to you is this. You love one another as I have loved you. So, you love one another. Coming very soon, the resurrection of the Christ. God bless you. God bless you. That's just powerful. I just wanted to share that with you Jim's guys. Really good at, or Jim's really good at that kind of stuff. All right, so here's Jack Posobiec tweeting out, thank you, Mr. President, for supporting the sound of freedom. So um, looks like Donald, Donald Trump retruced this clip with Devin Nunez and Jim I, I just uh, uh, shines this huge grace on him because of his amazing faith, like, like young David when he took on Goliath. You know, we got to take on our Goliath Americans. We got to save our country. We got to come together. Let's start right now with our children and then just start taking this whole thing apart. It's got to come from the people. My brothers and sisters, can we love God's children more than we fear evil? Can we love Jesus more than we fear the cross? And I think you are a testament to that, Jim. Uh, you live it. You live it every day. Uh, you've sacrificed, you know, your your career. Um, but like I told you, I think you're doing very, very well. And um, I think you have a lot of fans out there because you're willing to take a stand. And this film uh, is going to be, uh, I think, well received. You're shining a light on uh, these children that are. Uh, I, I believe that the film is based out of they, the children are coming from Colombia, right? Yes. And they're being round up and then and then shipped around the globe. Um, I guess maybe maybe probably many were going to end up in the United States. Possibly is that is that what Mr. Ballard believed? Oh, anywhere it could be anywhere. It could be Russia. It could be the Philippines. They just get shipped out on these big freight, you know, freight carriers. They have dumps underground. I mean, it's just it's insane. And and this is just the beginning of the conversation because mm -hmm. there's millions and millions of more children this is actually much bigger but if they can just we can just start peeling back the onion then we can and, start going deeper and jim i i know that you've you got some other interviews stacked up here 
Um, but I, I would be remiss because one of the questions that I had for you that I, I wanted to, to get to is that um, you're friends with, with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is another guy who is not to, afraid to show his uh, commitment to his faith. Um, but he's also, I think I, I saw some, uh, you know, I don't know what's true or not true. That's why I want to get the, get the story directly from you. But he's also trying to bring attention to this, to this issue. And I saw the two of you were either interviewed together, you're going to do an interview, or there's going to be like, like some type of documentary. And I think, it, is it based on Mr. Ballard or is it just child trafficking in general? Okay, first, there's, all right. I, there's so many, so much, so much I can tell you. I'm not doing anything with uh, Tim and Mel together on that particular thing. Okay. That Mel, but Mel was very heavily involved in doing a lot. My, my, I would never have my first son without Mel Gibson. He does incredible things that most people don't know, and I can't really go into all that because he he doesn't want um, anybody to. He's just a. He really. Um, He's, he does incredible things for children worldwide. Let me yeah. just tell you that. Uh, and I deeply respect him. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have my first son. He has adopted ch two boys or children from China. Oh, okay. Well. Second thing, um, he helped Tim immensely, immensely. He helped me immensely uh, on this film. And, uh, you know, it would be like me going to, Bill Belichick and asking him, look, you know, coach, um, what do you, how do you read this in this situation? But he's, he's put a lot of money and his time into helping and doing a lot of things and he's saved uh, thousands of kids. So pretty amazing guy. And we are going to do the resurrection and that it will be the biggest film in the history of the world. And I think it might be two movies. I don't oh. think it's going to be three, but it could be, but I, it could be one. So uh, depends how he wants to do it. Um, he took me through a lot of the scenes and uh, I was on the floor crying. And uh, so I know that, um, you know, I don't, we don't make faith-based films. I hate that term <laughs> because you know why? Because it feels so manipulative. I, I make a film that I want to, I feel we can beat the best in the world. We're the best. When we made The Passion, we didn't say we're making a faith-based film. The reason why I don't like it is a lot of these guys, and they're, I mean, they're like carnival acts. They're like, here, how we just made you a faith-based film, people, and you got to buy it because we did this for you. If that crap is crap, don't buy it. <laughs> well, you're, it's not faith-based. I mean, you're, you're basically depicting uh, uh, one's vision, uh, either Mel Gibson or those that, that write the, the, the screenplay, uh, their vision of uh the bible and i'm assuming that's what the resurrection will be will be about oh it, it it'll be one of the best so there is a documentary coming out but they're not talking about it too much about uh ukraine sex mm -hmm. trafficking in ukraine tim is working on that that actually. tim ballard is working i don't on. think and mel is just kind of like yeah. giving some tips on right right from labor and sex trafficking all over the world including in the United States. If it wasn't for him, those people would never have made it. If it wasn't for him, those children would never make it. The United States is number three for destination countries for human trafficking. Number one for the consumption of child rape videos. The difference between Schindler's List and this film, Schindler's List was done 50 years. Too late. Too late. We're doing this right now, during the time. And this is a huge weapon to evil. And they don't like it. 
In this episode, I sit down with actor Jim Caviezel, as well as Tim Bow. So you guys can go watch that if you want. I just wanted you to hear some snippets there. Here's another. The movie, Sound of Freedom, the new movie that is out that you guys need to go see. Jim Caviezel is in it, and it tells the true story, the necessary story uh, of the epidemic and the just disgusting world of child trafficking and human trafficking. Sound of Freedom beat out woke Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, like one billion or whatever they're at now, it beat out Indiana Jones at the box office, guys. Another huge win for conservatives who want to tell the stories that Hollywood won't tell. Hollywood won't tell it probably because they're in on it. Exactly. Look, it's not a pretty story uh, to tell when you're talking about child trafficking, but it is a necessary story and we have got to wake more people up to it. More than a million children worldwide get trafficked every year. Yeah. Time we talk about it. It's time we end it. Grab a friend, grab a partner, grab an enemy. I don't know. Just grab someone and go see Sound of Freedom. Grab an enemy. <laughs> grab anyone. Here Why are, not? Um, so there are some sick people attacking Sound of Freedom as QAnon conspiracy. Um, but this is uh, Operation Underground Railroad. So 54 footage. boys and girls aged 11 to 18 were ushered in for what had been billed as a sex party. They were given candy and drinks and told to wait in this small room. This, this little 11-year-old boy, I remember, he asked one of my operatives if they could give him some cocaine or something. That it, he said, they usually give me something because I'm really scared. By the time the deal was done, the alleged traffickers were set to make $25,000. That transaction was never completed. 25 Colombian special operatives stormed the party. Arresting five suspects, four men, and one former beauty queen. All charged with child trafficking. The victims, 29 of whom are under 18, were evacuated, given medical exams, and placed in a rehabilitation center where specialists are working to undo the damage. Right before I got in the boat, we had to walk by the, this room where the kids were, and they put their hand up. And I touched their hand and see that there's liberation now. Liberating one child at a time. Okay, so that that's the part story. is not in the film that right. where Lee and I just looked at each other. Um, and because I want to just be straight up honest with you guys. That is a very intense statement to hear that the child says, can you just give me some sort of drug? They usually give me something before I'm essentially raped scared. because I get scared. And that that's kind of one of those like gut punches. There weren't any of those in the film. Like yeah. that's how I think that was probably left out of the film because the film is so muted. I can't express that enough. Like some people are probably going to watch this film and be angry that it doesn't show enough. Yeah, exactly. Diesel's performance. He's a very great actor, but the silence, he's, I mean, when he's silent, you can, and he just tears up, it's... Break your heart. Yeah, breaks my heart. I could feel the emotion from everything that he was witnessing and he was, like, putting himself into. Well, his performance is excellent. I want to introduce you to somebody. Hi. Oh, how you doing? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Diesel. my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Why do you think audiences are responding that way? I mean, some of these people were in tears. They didn't know what yeah. to expect. And why do you think they're buying out theaters? 
Well, I think that much the same way. Uh, the it's a wonderful life. I love all that you uh, all that you can take. Oh, I can't remember the line, but anyway, I memorized it with Jimmy Stewart. But anyway, they um, they love their children. They love Raymond. I. That that scene right there with that lady made me cry once. Um, I don't know, man. I I just looked at it and I said, uh, this. Uh, I thought of my children. I thought um, I know that they're all watching right now. I thought it. Uh, everybody else's children. Well, I mean, I, I, I did, I, and I, I see your reaction. And this to you is not just a role. I mean. People don't realize this is a $150 billion industry. More than 10 million people are trafficked every year, 27% of those children. It's really bringing that cause to light as well. Yes. For you. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's. I just uh, I think about all of this stuff that I had to go through, um, and then I thought about what Tim had to go through mm-hmm. daily. And it's in the movie. And this guy is willing to sacrifice himself to save them and his wife would send him on this road that she felt that if she would lose her salvation if he wouldn't go do this and uh, he was willing to sacrifice himself like you know many of those stories in the Bible that you read he's like a king you know David when he was you know kicked out of his house and and uh, and so um, is very emotional um, seeing those um, people right there. Um, well, and, the, and this look, this subject matter is yeah. very hot, something Hollywood has not touched before. Yeah. And now there's this battle going on between Sound of Freedom and Disney's Indiana Jones. I'm going to read you. This is from Deadline. All industry eyes are watching the anomaly of this non-major studio independent <laughs> title that has faith-based elements some pre-release projections had Sound of Freedom doing 11 million to 15 million dollars over six days, not one day. Jim, the film being shown in only 2,600 theaters compared to Indiana Jones 4,600, it has made 14 million dollars in one day. Indiana Jones made 11.7. What's going on here? Why is Disney fighting? They're saying the pre-sales shouldn't count, but they do count. You're the number one movie. Yeah. Well. It, this isn't about them, and it's not about Angel Studios putting it out. It's about the children mm. and, um, and Americans waking up right now. And the only way these laws are going to be changed is that if the people move right now to save them. This is a good versus evil story. This is a battled hero story. And I was very blessed that I got the opportunity, just as I was blessed to do The Passion of the Christ. And this is the best film I've done since that film. Mm. It is a controversial issue. It shouldn't be. We should just be naturally wanting to save our children. But again, there's those out there that want to exploit them. Yeah. It's curious to me that Disney had an opportunity to distribute this film mm-hmm. when they bought 20th Century Fox. They let that go. And now, Sound of Freedom has shown Indiana Jones the dial of destiny which is pointing to extinction i think raymond we are not disney's film we are the people's film Mm. can we love our children can we love god's children more than we fear evil that's the challenge here americans are up to it i love it and they hear the sound of freedom because god's children are no longer for sale (laughs) now i love what he said and i want to take a minute we've got more clips that we're going to play for you guys 
Um, but I want to take a minute and just kind of talk about uh, some of this that we just digested with uh, Jim and Tim and all of these interviews and stuff. Uh, Janine over here on Facebook says, I am so thankful this movie is out. I have supported um, Operation Underground Railroad for several years. Wow. And this truth needs to get out. Thanks for supporting so much, ladies. God's children are not for sale. I pray many will bring hope back to many captive children in Jesus' name. Dottie says, this film is a must-watch God Save the Children. Jim's focus here is 100% on the children. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Exactly. And he ended it, you know, the, the statement, God's children are not for sale. Yeah. He just now, and that this is after the film has come out, right? This was what, July 5th, he was doing that interview. Yeah. He said, God's children are no longer for sale because oh, something drastic has yes, shifted exactly. after this film has released. Yeah. yeah. It's over. Like, it's over. And that, and they... That little Guardian article, oh, it's a QAnon conspiracy. Da, 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 da. It's the be that's the best they have to combat this. I am telling you, nothing can stop what's coming as a result of yeah. this. Not a single thing. Yeah. Are there comments yeah. over there on Rumble? I should read. Yeah. There's there's a few. Um, Mom says uh, there's a clip here that she wants us to play. Okay, I can uh, grab it and pull play it up. this clip. She said she got from your pictures. This is an important story that needs to be told and. You guys, we kind of have a personal connection to this in, in many ways. Our dear friends, Leo and Nancy, who run the Jenny Museum, it's a Christian his history uh, walking tour of Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, and we, we become really good friends with them. Tim Ballard is an, an American who loves the Christian history of this nation, and, and he has been helping uh, to fund... Uh, the the Jenny Museum, yeah, and he actually put a new roof on the Jenny Museum. He did. He's there totally good for Leo and Nancy and our friends Joy and Matt Thayer were contracted by Angel Studios to uh, be the media outlet and the um, theater that we bought out. Uh, uh, some of the funds to buy some of those tickets actually came from uh, Angel Studios uh, because they. Uh, contracted our dear friends Robert and Jamie to get this up on billboards yeah. and to get some advertising out there. This is amazing, you guys, because think about it. Did you see ads for this on television? Did no. anybody even watch television? But where else? Like when you go to a movie, you normally hear about another movie by watching that movie. How else did we hear about The Sound of Freedom? It's not like any other movie. You have to, there's usually giant multi-million dollar campaigns just to advertise, to get people to come. Let me tell you why this is working. So so every, this goes back to the censorship. And like I said, guys, we're going to play more clips from the interviews and, and exit interviews and, and Jim and stuff. What they did through censorship to all of us, mm -hmm. there was just a few of us out there. Got a little, a few podcasts, you know, we had had our channel for, you know, 10 years mm -hmm. and before they nuked it, mm -hmm. at least. And as a result of that, there's been this giant pushback. And now all of these independent media outlets, guys, Leah and I have been doing this for, we've been resistance chicks for seven years. We've been on, we had been on YouTube since 20, 
2009, I want to say, 2010, yeah. something like that. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. But now there are people that have risen up, and I'm so glad. They've been in yeah. it for maybe a year or two. And why? Because they saw what was happening, and they were like, now we need more voices. And yeah. so because of that, you now see this wide mass spread. It's underground railroad of information to spread this. We don't need you, mainstream media. We don't need you, all of your advertisers on all of these programs. We don't need you to be ha to have Sound of Freedom end caps in the grocery store, right? Yeah. We don't need this movie to be pre-advertised in a bunch of other theaters for a bunch of other movies. We can do this without you. So this film is a prime example of pulling out this of the parallel economy. That guys, so we don't need them anymore. Listen to this uh, from the Rolling Stone. Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. The QAnon-tinged thriller about child trafficking is designed to appeal to the conscience of a conspiracy-addled boomer. Wow. That's the what best What does they that have. say? That, says that, that this, says that says that these guys are part of the problem, that they're looking at porn, they're looking at child porn, because... This, if you watch the movie, it's a real story. It's based on a real story and a real bust of real traffickers. What do you mean? It's, it's a conspiracy Again, theory. I want you guys to take note of anyone that stands against this film and just mark them down. Okay, you're a pedophile. Okay, you're part of the sex trafficking industry. Okay, you are, you, you're probably looking at porn 24 hours a day. Okay? Oh my like, goodness. you need to know who these people are. So Patriot Gallery wants me to play a clip from this week and then we'll get back to the sound of freedom, but this connects because we here, here we are at the National Underground Railroad Museum mm -hmm. right here in Cincinnati at our three-day event for the sound of freedom and the Remnant Revolution tour coming in town. So Leah is now reading um, a placard from uh, about John Jack at the National Underground Railroad. John Jack was owned by a shoemaker, Benjamin Barrett, in Concord, Massachusetts. I can turn that up any. Let me see. Seems a little low. Nope, that's as loud as it is. He was able to buy his freedom. Before his death on March 17, 1777, he wrote his own epitaph. This epitaph was reprinted in the Boston and London papers and used by many anti-slavery activists in their debates. God wills us free. Man wills us slaves. God's will be done. Here lies the body of John Jack, native of Africa, who died March 1773, aged about 60 years. Though born in a land of slavery, he was born free. Though he lived in the land of liberty, he lived as a slave. Till by his honest, though stolen labors, he acquired the source of slavery, which gave him his freedom. Though not long before, death ran the tyrant, gave him his final emancipation, and put him on footing with kings. Though a slave to vice, he practiced those virtues without which kings are but slaves. That's powerful. That's really so we saw a lot of parallels to um, the, the movie with the National Underground Railroad. They even uh -huh. have an entire sex trafficking wing yeah. of the National Underground Railroad Museum to showcase that slavery hasn't gone anywhere. It's just right. shifted. Right. So I have set up for you guys. And he sells everything. 
some clips for you that I'm just going to let you control this mouse yes. after we, we do a screen share. Go ahead. So this is an interview with Jordan Peterson that Jordan Peterson did with Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel a few days before the movie came out. And I want you to hear a little bit of, of the background with Tim and Jim. Jim and what led them to both being part of this movie. So That's let me start here. Start with you. I mean, the movie makes the case that there is a widely expanding network of slavery, essentially making itself manifest worldwide, concentrating in no small part on very young children who are being sold repeatedly to pedophilic psychopaths to have at their will and of course can be sold repeatedly for that purpose and the, the movie makes the case that this is now an operation that's rivaling the drug trade in magnitude so you know it sounds like yet another right-wing conspiracy so please why don't you walk us through what you know and 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 help me understand and everybody watching and listening exactly what you think is going on yeah thank you so much uh Jordan, we're so grateful uh, you take your time to do this with us. So <clears throat> I spent 12 years as a special agent, undercover operator with the Department of Homeland Security. Most of my time, 90% of that time was spent investigating these cases, child crimes, child trafficking. And in fact, the, those numbers are correct uh, that are being, this, these are Department of Labor, UN, these are sources that, um, you know, the, the, the best we have that say that there's close to 6 million children or more who are forced into sex slavery labor slavery or organ harvesting. And I can attest that I have been involved in, in cases involving all three of those forms of slavery multiple times. And is absolutely is a real thing. Um, <clears throat> it's not even far, far from home. Uh, it's the United States is the number one consumer year after year of child rape material. Uh, and oftentimes we were close to number one in production. Um, and unfortunately, it, I would assume that we all know someone who has been arrested, you know of someone who's been arrested for possessing child porn on their computers and on their devices. I could name two right now that I know that I've met in person. Exactly, that you know in person. And when I go to pray with parents in this movement, I often come across parents who are concerned, and rightfully so, because their children are looking at this, at this, I, I prayed for one woman whose son was in jail because he was consuming this. And so, when you say their children, you mean their kids who are no longer children? Yes, exactly. Their, their kids offspring. who are consuming it. Adult children. Their adult children who are consuming it. And this interview goes on to say that if there are millions and millions of images, then there are millions and millions of people who are looking at them. It's it's not all about every image doesn't just get viewed once. It's not all about the child being trafficked one-on-one. -on -one. If it was, I feel like we could do, it would be easier to solve. But it's actually these images and Twitter and Facebook has been known to have loads of child trafficking videos on their sites mm -hmm. and people watch them. They just and they look a blind eye. They just, Instagram. oh, we didn't know it was there. Remember Instagram just a few weeks ago, people were dropping all kinds of things like pizza or whatever, their emojis, and they would lead to children images. The butterfly is one. The images are collected and then they're distributed. And I will tell you something. 
How can you stop it today? How can you help stop it? Make sure nobody in your circle looks at adult pornography. Boom. Because adult pornography, and I know everybody just screamed as the demons left your house for a second. Child pornography, and, and Jordan Peterson goes on to talk about this in this interview because Jordan Peterson is a psychologist. And he talks about... Can we exit out of this? No, because well, we're going to keep playing in a minute. Um, Jordan Peterson talks about the need for the novel and to go farther and to go farther and to go farther. Okay. So if we're going down a road, let's not go down that road at all. It's unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary for us to consume pornography images of is, pornography, period. Pornography is one of those things that you may not understand. It is worse in addiction than illicit drugs mm -hmm. and it is more progressive in addiction than illicit drugs and what i mean by that the need for even uh, you, everybody knows somebody that's uh, that, that has an addiction to illicit drugs and that person when they're sober they will tell you when i'm using i need more and more and more and more even more so is this high that comes from looking at pornographic images and so you don't just get stuck getting off looking at two heterosexual people having sex it goes now you've got orgies and now you've got um rapes and then you have children and then it's homosexual and then it's homosexual children pedophilia and and all of this stuff like then it's rape of children it gets and then there's even murder and, and mutilation that goes it, it doesn't stop so if so like leah just said how do you do it you start evangelizing to your friends who you know are addicted to pornography and i would say this as well if your friends are watching Game of Thrones, they have an addiction to pornography. Yes, I said it. Yeah. Even little Ben Shapiro there. Yes. Who loved watching it. It's a serious matter. You know, the, the case, um, the, the story in Sound of Freedom kicks off with a, a, the rescue of a little boy at the port of entry uh, at, the, at the southern border. That's a real story, a real boy. Um, that I, I was on that port of entry. I was 10 years on the southern border. So when you have 85,000 unaccompanied minors showing up in the last two years, being let into the country without the sponsor being vetted, DNA checked, background checked. Um, you know, I call it the economy of pedophilia. Uh, the United States, where the demand, 85,000 children, thousands of them are under five years old, are led into the country. So we, we, have, we have a serious- These unaccompanied minors, they have, they're, they are trafficked. There's no children that walked from uh, El Salvador to Mexico. But they're part of a whole system. And we have a friend who works for the CDC. And during the pandemic, she was sent down to the border. Mm -hmm. And she was appalled. And I know, I get it. Oh, can you trust somebody that works at the CDC? She's a completely normal, Christian, loving, amazing person. Um, and she doesn't agree with what's going on in the CDC either. She went down there and she said to us, she's like, you don't even understand. These kids, they come and they have a piece of paper and they say, I just, I have this name, I'm, but this is my aunt. I'm told this is my aunt. And it's like, they get, and it's just a name and a phone number and, and this child's word that that person is their aunt. And the parents are being told, uh, sometimes they don't have parents. Right. And sometimes they actually do have parents. Sometimes they're being sold. And sometimes the parents actually pay the traffickers. Right. Okay, so because they're being sold a bill of goods, and the Biden administration is doing absolutely nothing. And why do you think that is? Serious, serious problem, and uh, it's it's not being addressed as it should be. Hopefully, this film can do that. All right, I'm going to skip ahead to another time slot. 
criticized for refusing to condemn? Do you, do you, do you have any more specific details about that? I mean, I, I'm not sure what exactly they're, they're talking about. Pro they, they might be uh, referring to the fact that there's something called adrenal chrome where they, you know, they, they take, they're taking children's blood and devouring it and so forth. Uh, and I've explained my experience with that, and, and I just did in West Africa and other places. Um, we've seen this in, in several parts of the continent of Africa, and it's very real. It's very real, this witch doctory. They take these children, we, they, they, they take their organs, they take their blood, they, 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 they drink it. They take the genitalia of children and, and hang it over the rooftop of their businesses, thinking that the, the dark gods will bless them. These are real things. Um, and so I might say something like that, and then they connect it to something uh, that a QAnon person. Okay, we're not going to go down that on Facebook, are we, you guys? No. All right, so he had a reporter uh, who they, th they thought was actually on their side who started to come against them. And he's like, I don't understand how she could come against us because she was part and witnessed this operation that actually arrested us like seven traffickers. It's the last thing we would, of course, do. So we bring this journalist, this blogger, I won't call her a journalist, um, and she, we thought she was a friend. And she came and watched a legitimate operation happen in, in, uh, in Dominican Republic. Uh, there were seven traffickers who showed up, seven traffickers arrested. There were um, 20 plus uh people rescued nine of them were children you can't you can't sometimes you can't always uh control who shows up to the sting party the traffickers bring who they will but nine children uh showed up they were all liberated from the the the, the, the um you know the control of their captors um this blogger then wrote two glowing stories about it that she witnessed this she had very minimal exposure to the operation itself she she witnessed it some seven years later, she decides to use it, in my opinion, to somehow increase her social media following as our foundation grew, and she writes a story. And then she goes to Slate, and that's the kind of stuff that we're up against. She saw these traffickers. He said, you don't understand. When you get an arrest and then you get, you know, actual prison time for these guys, it's a big deal, and she witnessed that. And then she went on to write bad articles uh, 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 about him and about the Underground Railroad. Years were spent on the border uh, tracking child traffickers, uh, people who would exploit children with child exploitation material. So I really learned a lot. In 2006, the laws changed in the United States. And for the first time, U.S. agents were permitted and encouraged to go overseas and find children who Americans were abusing, and we could now hold those Americans accountable as if they had committed that crime on U.S. soil. That's, that's what really changed my life because I started, I speak Spanish fluently and they sent me overseas, south of the border. That's when my eyes opened up and I started seeing the children that I used to only see mostly on the, on the pornographic, on the, on the child exploitation material cases. Um, but it was tormenting me uh, the U.S. government unwittingly was because if I couldn't find that connection back to the United States, the American kid or the American pedophile, I had to come home. But the problem is I've, I've already been exposed to the children. I've already been exposed to the problem and oftentimes have made myself the bait. And in 2012, I had enough on this case. I kind of went more, I went further than otherwise I probably should have. Uh, the movie didn't have time to tell you that there was another case in Haiti at the same time that I was working, uh, thinking there was a U.S. nexus, and I was told in both instances to come home and you couldn't work these cases. 
Uh, and that's when I had a very consequential conversation with my wife. And I said, if I stay here, if I do this operation with or without my badge, it doesn't matter at this point, I, I'm, I, I can do the work. Uh, we will save kids. Um, and, um, but I, I have to lose my job and we have six children. And this is, this is a moral dilemma like I've never faced in my life. And I was hoping my wife would have responded with, get your ass home. You can't, you can't abandon us. You know, first of all, you're going to die without the, the top cover of the U.S. government if you continue this. And who's going to pay the bills and feed the, feed the kids? She didn't say that. She said to me, you have to quit your job. It was that easy for her. Um, it became spiritual for her even. She felt a calling and a responsibility that she might have to reckon with one day when she meets her maker. And I knew that she felt that way when she told me this um, in the crucial moment of decision, uh, about a, two days before I ended up turning my badge and gun over and, and, and went private. She said to me, I will not let you jeopardize my salvation by not doing this. Wow. And when she said those words, and I knew she meant those words, that changed everything for me. And we jumped into really just an irrational act of service, I might call it, uh, because it wasn't rational in many, in many ways. But uh, ultimately, it ended in the operation you see depicted in the film, which shows 54 children, uh, some, uh, some adult women, young, young adult women were in that group as well, rescued on that island. But what the movie doesn't uh, have the time to report is that in actuality, it was 120 um, there was two other locations being taken down at the same time. And there's a documentary that's going to follow uh, in, in the wake of Sound of Freedom called Triple Take. Angel Studios will put it out, uh, documenting the entire story. And so in the end, it was successful and we were able to build upon that so success. there will and, be a documentary on this called wow. Triple Take and we're going to be able to watch that uh, on the whole thing. I've got a couple more clips here. Uh, my brain couldn't comprehend something. So I'm going to back up just wait a little bit. He was that you might be protected against that at least to some degree because of your faith so let's walk through so what you learned when he was chosen to be um he was he was working for a department of homes and security and they asked him to run a new child trafficking operation operation no, well department department okay and um the guy who said he's guys who pulled him in said um we picked you because you're a man of faith and if you're going to do this you have to be a person of faith Wow. And encountered first. What what did you see when you were working as part of this child sex crimes unit? What I saw was so shocking, Jordan. Uh, I thought child sex crimes would be 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. Uh, my brain couldn't comprehend something more evil than abusing that age. The very first case I worked in 2002, I believe, I was given a, a bunch of VHS videos, some hard drives to look at that, that had been seized in a warrant. The very first um, image I saw um, were um, there were three, uh, three little boys uh, <clears throat> that were probably seven, five, and three. And they looked uh, like they looked like my children. They had you know, they had blonde, blonde eye, blonde hair, blue eyes, and they were being just raped, raped, these three little boys by this pedophile. And I was so shocked. I fell to my knees. I dry heaved, thinking I was going to throw up. 
uh, into the wastebasket. I jumped into my car. I drove to my children's school, my three oldest kids. I checked them out. I still remember in my mind, I can still see dentist, dentist, dentist appointment I wrote. And I grabbed them. I took them home and just sobbed on the floor. My wife came in and I just, I wouldn't let the kids go. I was just holding them and shaking. Um, that was my very first experience. Uh, you talk about PTSD. I absolutely deal with PTSD to this day. Um, I, I took too long to actually deal with it. Uh, that's another story. Um, and I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, I started getting help immediately uh, because I didn't want to quit. Uh, and uh, that, that's, that's what this is. That's what this is. And um, those kind of videos have increased over the last couple of years by 5,000%. Yeah, well, in, in, in Canada, um, we just had a report from an organization called the... I want to... Can we just wait yeah, on okay. this one? Yeah. Let's Let's... Take a pause. We'll come back to that because, guys, you know, Leah, some of you are just joining us. You've just found us because of the videos that we've been been doing on this. And you're here and you don't know what we do every Friday. We normally do a news show covering this week's top news. And today Leah came to me and she said, Michelle, I worked on this. I worked on tonight's show for three hours and I really struggled to come up with what we were going to talk about. And then God told me, she said, uh, God told me, Leah told me, God says, we just have to cover the sound of freedom and just, co cl just clip after clip after clip. So that's what we're doing tonight. And uh, very clearly it's resonating with you guys. And I'm glad that you're here. And so we'll stay on this for as long as we can tonight. Um, and so Leah, you and I have a extensive background in psychology, in PTSD, um, in child molestation. Thankfully, Le neither Leah and I were ever molested, but we have had to study it greatly. We have ministered to people who have um, been molested a lot. And so we are, this, this background does hit somewhat close, very close to home. So I wanna explain something about Tim. In our movement, and you guys may not be aware of this, and it's kind of sad and it, and it makes Lee and I upset from time to time, but you don't trust people. And we get the brunt of that. And, and, and I get messages from people all the time. And they're like, I'm looking at Tim Ballard and I'm looking at Jim Caviezel and I'm looking at this whole story. And can we really trust it? Like, can we trust Tim Ballard? His eyes look funny. I think maybe, you know, can we trust him because he was Department of Homeland Security? Can we trust him because he's a Mormon? Yes, he's a Mormon. Okay, so is Glenn Beck. But everybody trusts him. Here's the deal. He was actually CIA. Ballard was. Yes. You may not know this, so I'm going to tell you. There is something that happens to people who have been molested and assaulted and accosted sexually. And a lot of times, Lee and I can spot it like that. As soon as we've met somebody, it's in the eyes. You can see it. It kind of makes you not trust them. Why? Because they don't trust you. Oh. Oh. All right? Yeah. So when we look in the eyes of Tim Ballard, who has had to see images that, that are a straight-up assault on it, on if you're a human being and you don't want that, you're not seeking out that stuff and it just comes on you. You have now been sexually assaulted. So essentially you're looking at Tim Ballard who has been a rape victim himself because he has been sexually assaulted over and over and over again. And just the very description he gave you the, the most clean description of what he just witnessed with those three little boys. And I can guarantee you almost every single person that's listening to us right now went, oh, and you feel like you were assaulted just hearing that tiny little thing. Imagine having had to view it. Well, so, here's, there's more than just viewing it. So in order to make a case, 
You have to he get has the to, proof. Well, he has to view it. And then he has to write out the description. Yes. Man takes boy to closet. Man unbuckles pants. Man does it. And, like, and, and, and for the, it has to time it. And the all movie these- Sound of Freedom, what, what we just heard out of Tim Ballard's mouth right there, is worse than anything in the movie The Sound of Freedom. Yeah. That's how muted that film is. So I can't express that enough. So, so when you look at Tim Ballard, you need to understand that you are, he said, it took me way longer than I should have to get help because I wanted to keep, but I got help because I wanted to keep going. So when you look into the eyes of Tim Ballard, if there's anything in his eyes that make you go, I don't trust him, it's because A, he doesn't trust you. And he has to compartmentalize. And he, he has to compartmentalize this. all of these. So his brain is doing something, again, going into psychology, maybe this is too much you never wanted to know, but his brain is shutting off things so he can talk to you PTSD, from this side of his brain. All right. MPD, which is multiple personality disorder, uh, uh, dissociative identity disorder, DID, all of these things, in order to have had these instances, your brain compartmentalizes. And just like my honeybees, if something gets in there and they can't, it's too big for them to pull it out, like say a mouse dies right? They will enclose it in propolis so that it can't seep out and, and harm the rest of the hive. They just cover it up. And then it's, it just looks like a, a mound of propolis in there. You don't know that underneath of it is a dead mouse. Okay. So what happens with people, it takes a very high intelligence for someone to do this, but also it takes a lot of brain power. So when it's like, I, we met a girl this weekend, her name um, was Brie. And I asked her, she's, she's formerly Russian, but she, she spoke very, very good English. She is Russian. And uh, I said, what language do you think in? She says, Russian. Tim Ballard has having to jump through hoops to tell you a story to make sure that it comes out and doesn't harm you. And meanwhile, he's having to go to a compartmentalized memory, pull out the file that he put away so that he can function as a human being and be a dad and be a member of society, right? So you're looking at all of that stuff go on inside of his brain in order for words to come out. And that's why you might see a little bit. And I actually see it in his eyes. Like I see, but I see moments when he's, and it's not there. Exactly. When he's just himself. Like in this particular interview with Jordan Peterson, he is, he is himself. Yeah. That's why I think some of it came out. And, and you know what? Lucy makes a good point. Jim Caviezel seems like he might need deliverance from doing this movie. I think that there's a lot to be said for having to be delivered from a, a demonic oppression an assault that has happened. So I just wanted to to kind of pause on that a little bit for you guys to understand yeah. that that Tim Ballard is an amazing human being that has had to and is probably continuing to have to do a lot of mental and spiritual and emotional um, work in yeah. order to be able to bring this out to, to the public. Yeah, so, yes, perfect, perfectly good. Well said. Arrested in the movie, it's a real person named Ernst Luposchensky in Sound of Freedom. He had over 2 million pieces of child rape material in his house. So um, to, to, to be confronted with the reality that there are people on this planet and like- You know what though? I have seen that kind of look in his eye leave the more we help him carry Ooh, this that's burden. really good. That's so good. And the more he's allowed to talk about it, the more he goes on these podcasts, it's, it's, it's good. he's getting like getting more it out. human. Because, you know, when you come and tell me a story that's really, really bad. And I'm like, Leah, you just threw up on me. And now I, but you had to tell me, and I've done the same thing to you. You had to tell me because it's like, it's in me. I got to get it out. Yeah. And the more that you can do that, the, the more people are helping bear this burden, I think it's really helping. And I think that if we all take a piece, you say, what can I do? Listen to his stories. 
That's good. Leah. And you could you could even just be a listening ear to listen to his stories. Like listen, let him encourage him to keep going on these podcasts and yeah, keep telling really the story good. for his own sound mind and also incur the, the stories of those others because I've I've heard of people. I just read of a woman who left the Crimes Against Children unit in the UK. She said, and I would never encourage a woman to enter, but we need women to enter. Because guess what? Children are way more comfortable with women than they are with men. Mm -hmm. And we do need this ministry with men and women to be helping these kids. Yeah. Like I said, not a few, but, but millions who want to indulge in watching five-year-old children be raped and sexually assaulted in ways that and, and I'm sorry to be so raw, but I feel comfortable with you, Dr. Peterson. But he's a therapist. <laughs> uh, to, 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 to watch Is he a therapist? children's he's bodies a actually break in the act of sexual assault. Acts that your mind couldn't conjure up if you tried to conjure it up wow. and that it's real. That is so shocking to the system. Um, it changes your life forever. I, I tell people, if I feel like I've had um, a, a million holes burned into my brain because I've watched thousands of hours of that kind of material. Not only not only watch it, and I love the scene that Jim depicts where he's. It's that's very real. I, I break. I can't watch. I can't watch the movie, but the movie's very good. The movie doesn't show any of this, by the way. It doesn't show anything like this. I don't want people to run away and be scared. But you see the scene where the the camera flashes. Um, a close up into Jim's eyes. And that's, that was me for, for 10 years, not only watching, but writing, writing it in details for the court to see, for the prosecutors to see and, and, and raising children at the same time that are the very same age. And fortunately or unfortunately for me, I have now I have nine children at the time I, I left the government at six. And so I can always identify the age of a child with one of my own children. And what my mind was at, almost automatically doing is I would superimpose my own children's faces and persons onto these children. And that's, that led to, um, that led to the PTSD, I'll be honest. Um, and almost a paranoia about what would happen to my children and watching my children. And I've, I've come a long ways and, and I'm, I'm, I'm able to deal with it, but I, 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 I was determined never to quit. And so I, I just sought more help and I, and I, I won't quit. So. Okay. So, Tim, I'm I'm going to walk you through what I know oh, about how people turn into the sort of pedophile that you find so you and everyone else, I suppose, or virtually everyone else finds so mysterious. For Tim, so I'm going to refer first to the story of Cain and Abel because it actually puts its finger on the process in a stunning manner. So. What happens in that story is that two different pathways to adaptation are detailed out and they become the cardinal pathways of adaptation that characterize the whole human race immersed as it is from that point onward in history instead of in the Garden of Eden. And one is the pathway of Cain and the other is the pathway of Abel. Now Abel makes high quality sacrifices. He's all in, right? He puts himself on the line and he does the real thing. And as a consequence, God finds, God uh, finds, he finds favor with God and his sacrifices are rewarded. He does well and everyone loves him and he thrives. And Cain, his sacrifices are not of the same quality. He tries to cut the corners and to, and to pull the wool over his eyes and, and God's eyes and everyone else's eyes. And as a consequence, his sacrifices are rejected. And instead of 
cluing the hell in and waking up and taking responsibility for his failure, he decides that he's going to call out God for creating a cosmos that's cosmically unfair and unjust. And the evidence for that is Cain's failure and Abel's success. And so he has a little chat with God and he basically calls him out and says, you know, I'm breaking myself in half here and nothing's going my way and Abel gets everything he wants. And, you know, how dare you make a cosmos so radically unjust and improper and why don't you just straighten yourself out? And God says, if you did well, you would be rewarded for it and you should look to yourself. And then he says something even worse. And this is very subtle because um, it's complicated to understand it unless you look at multiple translations or potentially the original Hebrew, which I can't read, but I read the multiple translations. God says to Cain, the spirit of sin crouches at your doorstep like a sexually aroused predatory animal. And you have invited it in to have its way with you. And so now, if you study the development of the fantasies of very, very dark people, you see that they brood and fantasize in isolation for years. And the fantasies get darker and darker and darker. So they're bitter and resentful to begin with. And then they start fantasizing about, well, what they would want. That can take a sexual end, or it can take a very violent end, or it can take both. And what they're really after is the ultimate in revenge. And on the sexual front, they find a kick in extending the, what would you call it, unacceptability of the fantasy one stage at a time. Um, the, the famous and extremely attractive sexual serial killer, what was his name? It's a famous photograph of him like this, very attractive man. Do you, do you remember his Ted name? Bundy. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy detailed out exactly how his fantasies progressed as he became more and more involved with pornography. And what happens in some sense is that these people who are nursing these terrible fantasies want to stay on the edge of novelty. And so their fantasies get darker and darker and darker as they progress down that road. And so after a thousand such micro progressions, they end up in exactly the sort of pit that you're describing. And some of that is pure sexual kick because of the novelty. And, but it's got this sadistic and perverse, uh, vengeful twist. And you could think about it this way. You know, I think it says in the Gospels that, you know, it would be better that, that a millstone was hung around your neck and that you were cast into the abyss than to do harm to any of God's children, let's say. And the, that's actually where the perverse delight comes because the most egregious possible sin let's say, is the violent sexual abuse of the most innocent possible person. And the perverse novelty kick is highest at exactly that point. And then that just goes from bad to worse. And there's a thousand or even 10,000 micro decisions that go along with that. There's also a great book called Ordinary Men. This is well worth reading, although it's a bloody catastrophe to read, I'll tell you. It details out how a group of German policemen who were moved to Poland during World War II were transformed from ordinary middle-class, working-class, or sorry, ordinary working-class men, um, old enough to not have been raised under the Nazi regime, by the way, and so not propagandized into a kind of mindless obedience, how they went from being perfectly ordinary policemen to the sort of people who could take naked pregnant women out into the middle of a field and shoot them in the back of the head. 
And it isn't like they had an easy time with that. Some of them reported the same sort of thing that you reported when you first watched that video. They, they, what they were being called upon to do stage by stage made them physically ill. And they had a commander who actually had told them that they could leave the service if they didn't want to continue with their duties. But they felt duty bound not to leave, leave their comrades having to mop up the terrible situation. But it does a lovely job of detailing out how your movement from normality to absolute perversity is a consequence of 10,000 micro, um, what would you say, micro violations of your own conscience, not all of them micro, obviously. So you know, you need to know about the vengefulness, you need to know about the kick of sadism, that's that novelty kick that produces a dopaminergic kick that heightens sexual satisfaction. And so there's an, there's an element of sadistic misery that can add novelty to sex. That's particularly attractive to people who are bitter and resentful because they actually can't find any willing sexual partners. And so they're angry at the world. So I felt like that was a really interesting breakdown of how you get there. But if you follow his psychiatry back to the beginning, it's anytime you're having sex outside of God's marriage that mm. God has created between a man and a woman, there's going to be another kick or dopamine hit that you need beyond right. that. And we've seen that like when I was a teenager, the big thing was for these college kids to go and sleep with as many women as they could. That was a dopamine kick. It wasn't love. It wasn't even the act of sex. It was the act of just how many can I get notched in my book? Right. And then how? where would you go from there? You know what I mean? So that's what he's talking about. And I think you have to nip it in the bud. Um, educators, uh, lawyers, law enforcement, clergymen, um, and, and uh, sitting across from them, there's, but with no apparent physicality that would tell you who they are. But I will say this, when they start talking and I look into their eyes, that's when I can, I sense something that, that, it, that really scares the hell out of me. Um, and the way they talk about children when they get there and it's, it's something that they've been able to normalize. And they're speaking to me about children almost like they're talking about you know, uh, uh, the weather or, you know, talking about buying and selling children like you talk about buying and selling computer parts or, or an automobile or something. And that's where I thought you, something has taken over you. Something non-human has made you less human. Um, and I've never been able to figure it out, uh, only that it creeps me out. And, and, um, and I usually end up getting them to confess because they have brought themselves to a place where they think they're okay. They think that it's somehow normal. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, how do they, you, Dr. Peterson? Well, why they, well, 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 the the degree of rationalization that has to with each with each step forward in the progress of the fantasy, there has to be a step forward in the self deception with regards to self description, right? So imagine that you're you're attempting to cling to a sense of yourself at least as normal, but even maybe as a moral agent. I mean, the, the more forthright pedophiles claim that they're only allowing children to express their true sexual desires and that what they're actually doing is forming the best relationship with the children that they've ever had. Now, of course, there's part of them that knows that that's an absolutely bloody, screaming, hellish lie. But you get to that lie, like I said, with a thousand micro lies, right? And you're modifying your self-conception. And that's how we've got to children's body parts being cut off right along the way i mean have you had these people justify themselves to you and 
If so, by what means do they attempt to do that? So one person that comes to mind, absolutely, the answer is yes. And one person that comes to mind is the person depicted in the film, Oshensky. Uh, this person had written uh, articles, self-published, of course. He had a book that he actually sold on Amazon. And his understanding or his, his justification was that the puritanical society of this country has crushed the true uh, and, 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 and beautiful and righteous uh, sexual experience, uh, which the, the most natural would be between a man and a child, a prepubescent child. A prepubescent child is, 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 the, is the most beautiful form of humanity. And, um, and why, why take that away from a child? Children would be well uh, conditioned to, 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 to confront the challenges of life. If only they could experience orgasmic pleasure, even in their prepubescence. Um, this is how they talk. Right, right, and, right. And well, how, yeah, they, well that, you saw echoes of that. There was attempts made in the 1970s by French intellectuals, surprise, surprise, to have the age of consent reduced radically. And that was always the rationale. It was an extension of the patriarchal oppression theory in some sense, right? That all sexual expression is essentially pure and good in its most fundamental form. And it's all warped by social pressure. And if we were just allowed to express ourselves in every manner that we saw fit, then everyone would be free and we wouldn't suffer anymore from the constraints of of tyrannical society, right? And it's just convenient for the bloody pedophiles that that happens to justify them doing whatever the hell, the hell they want to children who are obvious. So this goes along, and I'll be careful because we're on Facebook, um, with what we're seeing right now, with children just expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. Children just need to express themselves. All this is why this is being suppressed because it goes hand in hand with what's, ha what's happening to children right now. Being encouraged to, to mutilate change, their bodies. To change their bodies and change their gender. Right. It all goes, it's the same psychological pathway of self-delusion. Mm -hmm. And micro lies, micro lies, micro lies, micro lies. And the deep desire of sick, sycophants, yeah. adults to sexualize children. It, yeah, and it, you and it also goes to to when, make them sexual beings. When I'm in high school, when I was in high school uh, in the '90s, okay, it was a little while ago. Back when MTV was a thing, it was all you're. Of course, kids are going to have sex. To tell them to deny that they are sexual beings, and that they need to express themselves as teenagers, as non-adults in their bodies that are just developing okay they need to express themselves and express their bodies and um here's the thing adults help them do that exactly because children left alone will be children but children who are exposed to sexual material by adults will will um be more sexually explicit so it seems like these children want this it seems like these you know 18s and unders want to do all this promiscuous things but actually if you are in a society where children are made to be children then they progress in a natural form and they go towards 
um, marriage and these simple things and not to these dark things. That's why they have to write books on teaching children how to do And these that's things. why they want to have all of these books in the libraries and, that's and the why schools. They that's why they want to detach you. Story hour. Detach and, children from their parents, break down the family. It's all tied together. So that's why, guys, I am saying that this film reach has a reach beyond far beyond child sex trafficking. Okay, this is going to, it has already changed the landscape. It has mm -hmm. opened the dialogue. Here we are seeing on, from Jordan Peterson to TBN to Fox News, the conversations that have been suppressed because nobody really wants to talk about the kitty stuff, right? Because it brings it a little close to home because here's the thing. I can all but guarantee you that everyone that has ever regularly consumed pornography has consumed child pornography so they feel like they don't have a right to stand up and i would say no you have a responsibility to stand up Absolutely. and to say no this is wrong you don't have to go admitting it you don't have to go telling everybody i don't care what you do yeah. but you do have to take a stand if you have ever consumed child pornography it is your responsibility yeah. not to turn yourself in not to go to jail but to speak out and to say this is wrong mm. Right. Absolutely. And we see that, that God usually calls people, whether it's out of a drug addiction, then they go and they minister and they speak out about the wrongs of drugs. All of these things are the devil usually attacks you at the place where you are most anointed. Exactly. Uh, and so speaking of anointed. And by the way, just to repeat, all this stuff that they're talking about here is that literally out of 100 of how bad the movie could have been, this stuff that they're talking about is that maybe like a 2025, 20, maybe not actually like 15, 20. I'm not good with the percentages here. And again, the film is like a 0 0.02 yeah. compared to this stuff. It's not like this. Right. Are we screen sharing? No. Oh, let's go back. Let's share the screen. Okay, so... Let's Jim, hear from Jim for a little Jim bit. Jim Caviezel is going to give us the um how did he how did he channel or how does how how does he understand and how do you get people to to um act if they're acting and, and telling a story about somebody who's bad and he's going to give a, a, a mic drop line here and i'll stop it when he does go ahead and press play pain and abel for example abel is doing good things for god how would Cain hurt God by killing Abel, by wounding him? When I go and play, for example, uh, a serial killer or a man that you mentioned earlier, Ted Bundy, who my friend uh, broke that case and found out who he was, um, Mike Tando. So you're the beast that comes in you, he, 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 um, comes in and he um, deceives you and, and starts with the ego and the whole thing. And then eventually the turn is, is how uh, that you're eventually not fair, uh, non-servium uh, becomes um, one who, how can I wound God the most by killing the most innocent child? And it wounds God in the greatest way when you take these innocent children who've done nothing and have no sin and these guys um, uh, um, have the attitude which uh, you were mentioning earlier all the cutting of the corners and whatnot and ultimately they um, can uh, kill 
the most innocent and effectively wounds God's heart the most. Um, I spent a great deal of time. I did this movie, uh, Deja Vu, and I played a uh, Unabomber. And I was on the phone with um, um, a friend, a, a friend of mine who broke the case, and uh, Ted Bundy. And I talked to him a lot about uh, serial killers. And then um, I got to look at the, um, with the FBI and the ATF gave me uh, uh, through Jerry Bruckheimer and Tony Scott. I got all these videos to look at, and the the um, we were, I was looking at Unabombers. Uh, guys that um, blow things up and um, an actual serial killers, but it was written more like a Ted Bundy um, and not a, a man who was writing Destiny and all of these things that he would exchange his life to take out um, whoever they want to take out. And but the, the but the voice was very similar. And so I don't go, go to Satan to play. Uh, if, in this particular um, story, I play this this guy, this um, bomber, and it, I don't go to uh, the devil to play the devil. I think make, many actors make that mistake. Go to God to tell you who the devil is. That's what I do. And it also gives me a protection. What's the um, difference? What's the difference, Jim? Like Because that also bears on how you protect yourself from such things. Um, the different, the, uh, and are you saying um, the difference in the, the difference is, is that I, I play the truth. So if you go and play, go to the devil to play the devil, the devil will deceive you and put something up there that uh, deceives the public. He'll always try to hide in the shadow. He'll always try because he doesn't like the light, even though he's called the light, the illuminator, um, the uh, Lucifer. Um, and he tries to mimic God. He tries to be like God. So there's always like, um, the, if God has love and what we see is love, he creates lust. Mm. So always trying to be like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. It's like uh, Cain trying to rip off Abel, cutting yes, the corners. Yes, And um, so committing to... There's, well, there's a tendency, even in Milton's, uh, in, in, in Milton's Paradise Lost, there's been two readings of that forever and one of them is that Milton's Satan is um, an, an anti-hero of the most profound sort, really the embodiment of evil. And the other reading is that um, Milton's Satan is a, a disguised hero and the eternal, what would you say, the eternal rebel against established order and someone to emulate in consequence and that Milton somehow knew that and was coding that, not precisely secretly, but subtly. And I think that's a huge mistake. I mean, I've familiarized myself with Paradise Lost, and I think that Milton was an extraordinarily subtle writer and that he got everything as right as anyone ever has. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because, so this is, okay, this is a complicated thing to untangle, but one of the things you see in Hollywood portrayals of villains, you saw this in The Silence of the Lambs, you see it frequently in mafia portrayals, is that the villain is inadvertently or even sometimes purposefully glorified. And it's partly because he's a rule breaker and, and has the attraction that goes along with that. But I also wonder too, if it's 
it has something to do with what you were describing is that the writers and the actors find themselves when they're trying to portray evil pulled towards falseness in that representation as yes. part of the proclivity of evil to yes. hide itself and the danger in that is twofold and one is the danger of deceiving the public as to the true nature of evil yes. because there's nothing heroic about it quite the contrary yes and the second danger i wonder about you know there's all this speculation about heath ledger and the consequences that for him of having played the joker in such a dark manner and you know i don't know what to make of that although i do think there is some danger in having to journey down a path of emulating evil in order to represent it now you said that you turned to god so to speak to protect yourself against false representations of evil, but also in some ways to shield yourself. And it sounds to me reminiscent of what Tim's uh, superiors mentioned to him when they said to him that his faith might protect him from, I love his question. from what was... Okay, go ahead, ma'am. This is the best interview I've ever had in my life. I love your line of questioning and um, getting to what, what is real. My job uh, is to give what I know to be absolutely certain and real. I hooked into Tim has a childlike quality to him. And I stay with that innocence and that, and don't take that innocence as weakness. And so when I read the scripture, I, I feel truth, good, evil, and I find the good and let that just pierce the darkness and it has to pierce. And I know what that light is. And I know that deception that, that when I start hearing about, for example, in, in your life, when you, there's two masters here. One is from the evil, wicked side, but it comes in through your ego. And the other one is the light side that tells you might, what you might not want to hear, but you ought to hear. And it's not manipulative. It's truth. So I, I go to that side. Then I pray. Then I go through it. Like the passion of the Christ, I looked at the Shroud of Turin and there were two men, Christian Tinsley and Keith Vanderlyn, who are experts in makeup. And the first, both of these men were agnostic and they looked at the Shroud that Mel Gibson presented to them. And one particular way, the way it is uh, through the negative, however they were able to show it, you can see the track lines of Jesus. You can see the, the, the actual um, bamboo sticks that they used to, to initially hit them. And then you see the cat of nine tails, the track lines. They look like the Grand Canyon in your skin. And it shocked them. Now, these guys look at everything from decapitations, murders, and everything. Prior to this, I did a movie a long time ago in New York. And I was with Homicide. And I got to see uh, the contortion of a face when someone gets murdered. And it's hard to watch. But when you start going into this, which is children, there is something that I can't even fathom, even with the protection of Almighty God, because it took me two years to get over this. Two years and a friend of mine, Debbie, came into the room and at around three o'clock in the middle of the night, she, I was in a chair and she heard me just weeping. Now I would go into these black holes and I have no idea, I don't remember it, but this was all of the screaming that I had to hear. I didn't want to hear it, but I had to hear it. And then I was able to transform that into the, 
movie that you just saw when I took asked Alejandro Monteverdi to move the, to our, our DP to take it and show him my eyeball so you would see a 20-foot eye to see what Tim goes through to rip his heart out. Now, it's not like uh, this is what I want to experience any more than I want to get on a cross and have uh, my heart broken. I went through hypothermia. Uh, I had to have open-heart surgery. I was electrocuted, struck by lightning. I understand the, the, the necessity of what I was going to have to go through could help bring people back to God to wake them up. And quite frankly, more people now, Jordan, are more afraid of the devil than they are of God because they want a happy Jesus. And the problem is, is that eventually, Jordan, we all are going to die. Eventually that that is going to happen. But people, the, the the power of the devil deceives to say, no, no, you're going to be around for a long, long time. And and they never wake up. And eventually there is a judgment and then you have to decide or God decides not how you want to see yourself anymore, but how God sees you and how God sees you is who you really are. And so that is how I uh, chose to to go at this particular case. I had no choice but to go in and I hear the screams in my heart. I hear the screams because of the agents that I got to work with, got to show me things. And they, one particular time, he says, are you sure you want to go further? But I was weeping so hard. I said, this is what Tim goes through. This is what I got. I got to see it in order to go into there to, to take people to a level of, will you do something? Will you do something? At some point, it ends for all of us. And so the pain in my heart is much better than the pain in the future. And if I have to see that to save my children, to motivate me to save my niece, to tell my sister, no, walking home at 13 years old from school is not a good choice. Not a good choice, my sister says to me. No, I want my sister, my daughter, excuse me, to have the same kind of experience I have. And I said, no, not until this changes. You need to understand. So Anne, my sister, is a good, mo great mother, but she wasn't aware because the media that's supposed to do a good job to tell the truth, well, they're going into that direction, which is let's kind of twist it and change it and not talk about it. Or the three-letter agencies, how, how, they're not telling the truth. Go ahead, Jordan. How has this changed you? So I'm going to just skip up. This is the we last clip. We could watch clip. the whole interview. This is the last clip I'm going to play for you um, because... Um, Jim Caviezel talked about the childlike innocence that Tim Ballard has. And I want you to explain how he has it. I want him to explain how he down has it. The images of children, um, I could be jaded and, and less less innocent. Um, I think this might go back to the, 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 the boss who asked me to start this work back in 2002 by saying that we think you can handle this because of your faith. So when, when I, I do try to be a childlike, childlike when it comes to my relationship with, with God, and there's a scripture that I repeat in my head constantly as I am going into these dark places, and that's where I become like a child through that recitation and my relationship with God, or even more particularly with Jesus, um, uh, because it's Jesus who says the line, and you've, you've already quoted it, Jordan, uh, better than a millstone be placed around your neck and you toss to the bottom of the sea and that you should hurt one of these little ones. Um, that's so powerful to me because it's, it's so, it, it, it allows me to, re, to re, re, reduce everything to just an innocent 
I hope, childlike relationship with, with my Savior, with my God, um, because I know where he stands on this. And I might not know everything, and I don't know how this is going to resolve in my head. I don't know how I'm going to heal the millions of, of, of holes burned into my brain. But I do know that if I subject myself completely to, to a, an understanding and a testimony that, that Jesus believes something, he gets mafioso. This is cement shoes kind of talk. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not flipping tables outside the temple. I mean, he's talking about violence. He's speaking violence, but it's, it's righteous. And that's where he stands on children being abused. And that's where I find... So there's, a, there, there's another idea. There's another idea that lurks in the passion account eh, that, that's really quite stunning and, and horrible. So... The, the, so I'm going to stop that there because you guys can listen to the rest of it. I know we listened to a good portion of it. That was a lot. But that, in a nutshell, tells the story behind the story and the spiritual battle behind the story. And we can't just go in and just randomly rescue kids. And um, I, at some point, somebody was somebody shared a piece of child um, exploitation material on Twitter and you didn't see any acts, but you saw a man dressed up and like clown material and you saw a room that had like 80s kind of lines and the child had like a makeup on his face and the child was quivering and his mouth was quivering and I was like, oh, because they said the, the person that shared it just came up on my feed said you need somebody find and rescue this kid this this is a pedophile and this child pornography is on Twitter and somebody uploaded it or something and I was like I I had never seen any I had never seen child exploitation material and I didn't see anything they didn't post anything that had happened just I the just, trauma on a child's I face in a situation like that this, is this 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 monster had created a room and a theme, this like 80s clown theme and put makeup on him and the children and did the room that way. And he was doing, he was saying something. It was happening. The child was lip was just quivering. And I was like, Oh, and of course we all prayed and, and we, we'd hope, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And so what, um, what wrecked Tim, who you see in the movie is that, he gets righteously angry. I can't do this anymore unless I find some of these victims. Because for those of you that, again, these are not spoilers. I can't just arrest the pedophiles. He was arresting the material. These people, right? And he was and the United not just the people States. looking at the material, but the people even producing the material. He was arresting those people as well. And so he's like, I can't keep the doing kids this until like I find the kids out of the country. Yeah. And how many more kids are in the country? Because that little boy that I saw was in America. Hmm. Okay, he was in America. And like, we spent, and this is what gets me angry. Here it comes. And this is what it should make you angry. Those FBI agents spent thousands and uh -oh. thousands and thousands of hours to find grandma walking through the Capitol, but they took people off of the child exploitation units to go find grandma walking around the Capitol. These people are literally working for Satan. And they want to go around and tell you that January 6th was the worst thing since 9-11 when this is the worst thing ever. 
There is nothing ever worse than harming a little child. Nothing. Nothing. And we have the money and we have the resources and we're spending billions of dollars in Ukraine for them to bomb each other to smithereens when we should have every single federal agent stopping this and we could and we can because it's all online and there's IP addresses. And you can find them. You know what they told Tim Ballard? This is in the movie. That going outside of the country to protect these children was outside of United States jurisdiction. Oh, really? Oh, really? You mean we have United States citizens who are making this porn, who are on video making this porn, but these children are in different countries? Well, we're in a different country. We're in all kinds of countries. We are doing war. We are making, we are in every country in the world. We're just, we have built a military base in Poland. Don't tell me that we can't rescue these children. And we have to raise hell with the government. What can I do? Call your congressmen. Oh, call your senators. Now. Say, get more agents on the child exploitation units now. Stop sending money to Ukraine. You better have every agent in the FBI on the child exploitation unit yesterday. What if we started a campaign of calling every single representative in our state and federal legislature telling them to stop funding for Ukraine and to take that money and put it towards ending child sex What if we said, stop doing your stupid searches for January 6th. I think it's a pile of poop when there's a kid being raped. I don't care about people who scaled the Capitol wall. So lately, I've got a question. I care about a child being raped. And yes, there is a moral. You you make judgment calls every day. Do so you not? You. Though, yeah. Ohio just passed their budget and they funded public schools. I would say stop public schools. Patriot Gallery, our mom says, Ohio just passed a law for more funding for public schools. She says, pull the funding from the public schools and send it to these other children. We don't get, you don't get to educate any more kids until you save these kids. Two million children are safe track. Let me ask you this question. All right, 9-11 happens. They manipulate all of us into doing something called the war on terror. And that was a very esoteric um, hobglob of something that doesn't actually have a meaning. A war on terror. It's well, very broad. And what you missed in the very beginning is that that's how he got involved. He joined uh, the, the Bureau after 9-11 because he wanted to fight the war on terror. So what if we ask our representatives to start a war, to declare war, literally declare war. There's a lot you can do when you declare war, by the way. To declare war on sex trafficking globally. Then we would then have the jurisdiction to go into these countries with military forces and rescue these children. Well, and that's what we need to push for because... War on sex trafficking. Declare global war on sex, tra sex trafficking. Yeah, and then we can declare war on all trafficking because you don't get to sit here and ask me for reparations and talk to me about racial inequality. Okay. When there's people being sex trafficked and in slavery today. Right. Okay. Because this is what we do. If you, if you have been abused in your past, we need justice for you. But guess what? My pain from yesterday 
is not equal to somebody else's pain today. That's right. Okay? A hurt and a harm from yesterday has to wait for what's pressing today. And once we fix what's happening today, then maybe we might have the mortal of fortitude and understanding to fix what happened yesterday. And guess what? We did fix what happened yesterday. And God is going to fix what happened yesterday. And God is going to continue to fix what happens in the future. And I have more for our show, but I think time is running uh, no, late. No, this is going to just be a whole show on Sound um, of Freedom. And so uh, we're, we're going to skip the... Uh, we're gonna, we're, if you want to hear the other stories that we talked about, go watch our Brighteon segment on TV. And honestly, we can talk about Hunter's Cocaine at another time. And there will be more to the case that I was going to cover about um, the Missouri versus Biden case, which is free speech, which is great for us. We got a big win this week and mm -hmm. July 4th. So I was going to go over a little bit more of that. But you know what? Go watch my Brighton show where I cover that enough. I think that I covered enough of enough of enough. This is the show. Share it with your friends. Yeah. Okay. And Michelle, will you bring up our prayer video? Because this yeah. video is now going viral on Facebook. Share this with your friends and um, pray after you see this movie because it's important to pray. And we'll just play. We'll end with a few snippets. Just you know, the, you know what happened that day. Just play a few prayers from people and um, play a few testimonies or something. Are you ready? Like my parents. Right okay, my come on over, guys. Come on over. I want to get what you guys say. So, guys so let's skip to the end of this prayer here. I pray that you raise up families, Father God, for these children to grow up tall and strong. And I just rebuke the devourer right now in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, for we are more than conquerors. I don't know how many of you here are Pentecostal, but I got a word from the Lord. God says, and he told this to me, before we even came here, based on Krista's word that she got three years ago, that as this movie goes about and the evidence is seen, and I gave this in the theater a little bit, but I'm going to give you the rest of it. As the evidence is seen, it is hard to sit on a jury panel and many people try to get out of jury duty because they don't want to look at the hard things. But God says, I am calling for my church to rise up, to stand erect with a backbone and look at the hard things. God says, I have had to look at these hard things. Yes. I have seen what they are doing. And you are my hands and you are my feet. And I have called you to be my jury. I am the judge. I am the executioner. But you are my jury. That's why I need you to look at this evidence. And so for the people that say it's too much, it's too hard. God says, ask me for strength because I need you on the jury panel because for every person that sits on this jury panel they will be responsible for taking out one of these kingpins they will be responsible for rescuing 100 children 1,000 children an infinite number we sit on this jury panel right now today you all have seen it and we decree and we declare they are guilty and we decree and we declare that those victims are innocent and we send out a whole host of angels we don't need the department of homeland security we don't need all of these agencies because we have a heavenly army we have a heavenly host of angels that can do far more and they are going to go with many people like tim ballards and they are going to rescue children and we are about to enter into an era god says I said, greater works than I do, you shall do.
Philip was transported when he needed to. God says, is it too hard of a thing for me to transport those children? I'm waiting on the prayers of my saints for me to do the mighty works that I can do. I am waiting on the church to arise. If the church had been ready in the Civil War, we wouldn't have had the Civil War. Yes. But the church is ready right now. Yes. We are ready. You are endowed with power from on high. Jesus said, behold, I have given you power over all the power, not some, all the power of the evil one. And God says right now, today, in this hour, I need my children to rise up and know that there is no weapon formed against them or my children that shall prosper. All right, we'll skip ahead to some of the interviews that we got afterwards here. Tell people you thought of it. Sure. Why not? Get out of my comfort zone. Right? Okay. <laughs> you, we'll get you up next. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, that's Thank great. you. So, Caitlin, well, were you aware of the sex trafficking at all? I mean, we haven't really talked about it. What What do you come away with? I'm definitely blown away by the volume mm -hmm. in the United States. Like, I, I know it exists. You know, we hear about the, you know, pornography, and now not everyone is 18. And, yeah. you know, that sort of right. stuff goes on. But just... It, it brings alive just how permeated it is within the culture. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm surprised. I think they did a really good job. They could have, like you said, they could have made that really, really unwatchable. Mm -hmm. But they wanted this to get out and people to actually be able to look at it. Yeah. And um, I'm really glad that they did. Was there something, something that stuck out to you in the, watching the movie? A scene that that, like, really hit you hard? Yeah, um, I think of, there are a few, I'm trying to like pick one, but like the, when the little, when the, the sister and her brother, when she was handing him that necklace and just yeah. how, okay. that was kind of a symbol throughout the, yeah, the she film. handed him a necklace that had timothy on it like first timothy the letter in the bible there's a letter to the bible but it was like something that they they took with they took with them yeah it's really powerful it was yeah saying i think seeing the the father just realized like that could be my kid yeah you know, seeing I just i, I kept imagining what like, would that, that feel like child. if that was yeah. my brother or my sister you yeah know, that that really struck me yeah it's, it's why it's hard for me to speak about it it really it really got it really hit close to home it's okay it's De just decent people that know that this is a horrible wrong thing yeah will will try to help and uh try to remedy it because and then we in the prayer i mean i just want to talk to god the whole thing and just yeah. say you know please lord these yeah. these poor kids yeah it's the kids so that's yeah. that the devil tried to attack and now you can use to right to re really and, relate and it, it's been uncomfortable talking about it but I know you gotta go through the pain to get to the other side and yeah. I am from Louisiana New Orleans and came here with Krista ministry arise um, Krista Eliza, Eliza I say it wrong but to heal from that because I just started dealing with it and oh, wow. her group has been very helpful and she's 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 gifted by the Lord and the people that she has around her are very helpful. So if you need healing mm -hmm. from any kind of trauma, 
check her out and yeah. Oh, and, but awesome. yeah, and deliverance, and I just pray for the kids and their healing and all that. That's awesome. So you are paying it forward. Yeah, I'm paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great. Well, Thank what you. did you think about the movie? Yeah, um, I I don't know that I had heard about the movie until like last week when Krista mentioned it. Um, I thought it was well done. I feel like they kept it like pretty clean. Um, where I was like, oh no, I don't want to see certain things that yeah. we didn't see it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, and just keeping the kids safe, I thought was, Yeah. you, you mentioned that the kids weren't told what they were Yeah, yeah, filming. so the kids in the film weren't told what they were filming about. It wasn't, yeah. so they didn't know the scenes. They were just told to act a certain way. Yeah. yeah. But I just want to say, I feel super encouraged right now, um, which is interesting after like such a movie. I did need to come pray because I need. I felt like I had work yeah. to do um, in that area. But I feel encouraged that we are in a time that the movie was actually released. Yeah. And at times such as this, you know, God's been preparing us for things to come forward with exposure and things have been coming forward but this is going to be on a larger scale so yeah. i'm and just encouraged by the room that needs to be ready and the remnant needs to be ready yeah because a lot of people are going to be all right the remnant needs to be ready because guess what um i think you got your statistics wrong but it doesn't really matter uh one in five boys are molested one in four girls are molested or sexually assaulted in their lifetimes it's it's uh, th that's crazy to think that 25 percent of all the women that you meet and it's probably higher now have had some sort of sexual molestation pro and it might just be their dad it might just be their uncle might just be a soccer coach um i personally know so many women who are molested um, and, I feel like I know and I feel more like, people who have been molested than who haven't. Yeah. Like, I mean that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the men are opening up more and more to the fact that they were molested by boys and there by is men. A, a, by, by men and there, there's such a, a violation there and it's just a hidden thing. And I just want to end this in prayer and I want to call the, your victims forward because I think that, um, it's not just sex trafficking as as portrayed in this film as some crazy dirty kingpin that makes you run tricks out of a, of a hotel okay trafficking to me and trafficking in sex is the same as anybody taking advantage of a child and we need to be able to put under the umbrella of sex trafficking of children the um molestation of absolutely, children absolutely 100% and so we need to say you were sex trafficked yeah and i think that if you if you help a child who was molested by somebody uh, and say you were trafficked in that because somebody gained something from that. Somebody yeah. gained something, uh, whether it doesn't have to be financial, somebody gained something from what happened to you, some gratification. And so I feel like number one, it takes the sting away because it's a thing that's uh, on the one hand, sex trafficking victims, uh, while they do feel ashamed, people aren't as ashamed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like you, we can have a conversation about it, but if you say, I have a movie that I want you to see about child molestation, it's going to, nobody's going to go see that, but the, the sex trafficking. So I want every child to, to know that you were sex trafficked. If you were in any way harmed by an adult as a pre, especially a prepubescent children, we're talking about, you know, the children under 16 years old, because there's a, a there's an, there is a bodily autonomy that you don't have when you're smaller and you're a child 100%. because um, as you develop into adulthood, you know, as you do go through puberty, you gain an awareness, you gain a maturity, you gain a situational awareness that you just don't have as a child. Um, the, the worst thing to do is to, because, and here's the difference. So um, it's harder, not 
impossible. It still happens, but it's, it's more difficult. You have to go through different levels to manipulate uh, somebody who is somebody who's 14, 15 or 16. You've got to manipulate and groom them. Whereas child molestation, people just come and just do something. They don't try to, you don't have rationalize to convince it. You don't have you to can convince physically it. physically overpower them. It's like, it's rape. Exactly. And, and, and honestly, it's, it, it's more difficult to physically overpower a 14, 15. I remember being 14, 15, 16 year old and seeing a, a guy wander the neighborhood and, and try to groom these young girls into this, you know, thing just for him. And, and there is a difference. So that's why these crimes against children, uh, the, 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 the 14 and unders, the, these are more horrific crimes. And we have to be able to talk about more horrific crimes. Okay, and we and then once we deal with the more horrific crimes, then we can go to the to the it's still a horrific crime when you groom and the and the grooming of of, of teenagers and young adults and even adults. And that's that is a that is a that's a much larger number, right? right. And so but deal but the, the but the children people who were molested and, and trafficked, you could say, by their parents at at from a young age, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and all the way through. Um, there is a breaking of your mind that happens and the break is worse when it's younger than when it's older, right? There's just, there's different things. So you need healing and you need deliverance. Kristen, Elijah has a ministry. It's called Arise Ministries. You can find Krista and it's Elisha, just like in the Bible. And she's on Facebook. There's a, a wonderful ministry. Maybe while we start praying, you can put the link in here. Uh, there's a great, she's got deliverance and she's even at a summit right now in Tennessee for healing. Um, and, and come to our show and, and we do praying and we do pray for deliverance. And you can just and literally go to Krista, C-H-R-I-S-T-A, Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A, dot um, com. Krista, Elisha, dot com. She's Krista, Elisha everywhere. And they have, and then Arise Kingdom Ministries, it will help you, um, if you've been through things, they've got another summit coming up in August. They're going to have one that's not just for women, but also for men coming up as well. Um, I do want to read this comment because this is very important. A lot of people are wondering, what can we do? Uh, Virginia says, is there a way to help? Example being a safe house. Hmm. Um, Janine earlier left this comment. If you go to the OUR website, the Operation Underground Railroad website, they have many ways to help. Fundraisers and training courses. They have recovery programs for rescued survivors. Um, and so you can go there. I actually got an email yesterday from a woman that was like, I'm willing to open up my home. Um, I'm telling you to be patient because I think that there's going to be a lot out of this. I know Scott Kesterson is feeling very, very strongly to move his yeah. ministry uh, towards the healing helping of children and the healing of all this. So but number one, is if you help to fund and pray for the uh, spreading of the word underground rail, rail and operation road. underground railroad is still working right now it's, it's they're, still they're doing bus and and the more funding they have the more agents they can hire and the more kids that they can rescue so that if you want to just put your put your dollars to it and then pray for that and then pray for god to raise up more yes rescuers 100 percent all right um, let me see virginia oh, says it did bring back some memories i would rather forget but I am so glad I saw it and recommend parents to take their kids so they have an awareness. This movie did an amazing job at keeping it watchable to all. Lucy says, I am two hours from the Mexico border. This city I live in does not have any news on this. The waiter said a child was taken out of the car at the gas station while a mother went in to purchase gas. Um, I would like to add one more thing before we pray. And we're going to pray. Guys, first and foremost... Our line of defense for fixing all of this 
is pulling out of the system. Mm-hmm. The whole system, the public school system, even the way we spend our money. We talk about the fiat dollar system all the time. Um, homesteading instead of just living in the, the daily, got to go to the grocery store. Like literally pull anything that is abnormal to the way life was 150 years ago. Right? That's what we call the system. Pulling out it, start canning. Start preserving your food. Start growing your own food. Raise your own um, chickens or pigs or like like if you just live in an apartment, start growing tomatoes on a balcony. Like get yourself back to nature and God's way of doing things. If you have a family member that is addicted to pornography, I am going to tell you 100%. We did an interview with Scott Kesterson that goes into this very, very deeply. If you have a child that is addicted to pornography or video games or whatever, Jesus is your number one answer. And the second answer is pulling them out of that system, moving out to the country, start working with God's creation, plant a garden. Literally, you can, anyone can raise piglets. Anyone can raise uh, pigs or excuse me, chickens. Anybody can do these types of things. And when you pull out from the system, it breaks something that then allows you to stay pure and healed. And I know this sounds very, very extreme, but we're living in extreme times. Okay. And, and, and what happens when we continue in the system is we continue to perpetuate the system that allows this to happen. The Bible says, come out from amongst them and be ye separate. I'm telling you, God is going to raise up churches around the country that are going to start in barns. Okay. Getting out of the cities, getting out of the system. There was a few more comments here and sorry if mom thought you were bought, Christine. Uh, she says, I learned all this stuff when the Podesta emails came out in 2016. I researched it for over a year and half down one rabbit hole after another. Our government even funds it. It's called the fi- the Finders. Um, and mom even apologized. There's a lot of trolls today. Uh, thank you, Leah and Michelle, for taking the time to throw a special spotlight on this long overdue serious issue in the world. Um, Christine, yes and yes. Anywhere war, calamity, they take the children. Amen and amen. I knew it existed, but not to this level. Uh, the Podesta stuff. Um, so there was just a couple more. And uh, we So need Baker to- Mom says over here on DLive, how can we see the movie if we don't live near any of the cities where it's being shown? Is it coming out on DVD anytime soon? That's an excellent question, and I don't have an answer for that. But I do know that... Um, Elon Musk had posed to Jim about releasing it. Let's wait for it to go. That's strange that you don't live near a city. What, do you live in a woke state? Um, because literally, I mean, we've got within driving distance, I can go to 10 theaters that are showing it. Like it, that sounds sad, but like we can. Um, Stuart the Brit over in the UK, it's available on the net in parts, um, homeschool and small holding farms or a big one. Stuart the Brit says, thank you, Resistance Chicks. I forgot how it is to hear intelligent men debate. Most do more. I forgot. Yeah. He says, I'm really depressed now. Thanks. I go on news channels regularly just to prove I'm not going mad or lied to on the dark web. It's easy to find. It's horrible. I'm tough. Uh, do not do it yourself. More horrible than you think. And easy, easily, easy available. Yeah. It's Mingle more evil, said, evil we than need you to build imagine. a new reality starting in our own homes. Yeah. So that's really good. Start a new uh, reality in our own homes. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Um, Let's see. I am in, uh, is that New Zealand? NZ. Is the movie going to be shown in my country? 
I sure hope so. And you know what? Because of this box office success and it beat out Indiana Jones, if Indiana Jones is being uh, showed in New Zealand, that this should be sold in, showed yeah. in New Zealand. And one of the reasons they pushed us to really go and see it in America was to show uh, these other theaters. Open it up. People will want to see it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. All right, let's pray, Leah. All right. God, I just thank you so much for everyone watching. I thank you that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I plead the blood of Jesus for everybody listening right now. And I pray, Father God, that you show them exactly what they can do to help, to help bring down the, the treasonous cabal, to help rescue these children. Yes, Lord. I just want to pray right now for anybody who's ever been trafficked or um, harmed as a child yes. or even harmed as an adult. If you have been violated, if your space has been violated, if your body or mind have been uh, traumatized in some way, if you've been harmed, I just specifically, this is night to pray for uh the victims of sexual abuse tonight yes Lord. those who have been uh, had their bodily autonomated autonomy uh and they're, and they're and violated and their space that should be restricted space invaded and so i just plead the blood of jesus over every single person who has been a victim of trafficking and a victim of molestation and rape and and just harm in their minds and i just ask you father god to enter into their homes right now and enter into their minds and enter into their hearts and that you heal them and that you wipe it from their brain make it yes. like it didn't happen you wipe that memory clean and they are able to use that newfound memory space that you have cleaning out you're wiping out for a new memory and you make it like at that time when when they were hurt as a child um you go into that space and they have a fresh memory like they went and they played in the field and their mom and dad were loving and kind and they were um always protected and they had a wonderful um one somebody right now god wants you to to, to god's going to heal your memory and make it make it make you think like you had a brother who protected you wow. rather than a brother that molested you wow Okay. Um, many of you have had older brothers enter into and your cousins. room at night and touch you in ways that are not supposed, you're not supposed to be touched that way. And so Father God, I ask you to heal those relationships with brothers and sisters. And I pray Father God that you break that stronghold on their mind and that demonic hold of guilt and shame and condemnation. And I know that there are relationships that a lot of these siblings want healed um, where there was an older sibling who was still a teenager and something happened and God wants to heal that uh, relationship even somehow. Um, and you want that relationship healed, but the memory keeps coming up and there's, there's guilt and there's condemnation on all parts. And I ask you, Father God, that you just come into these relationships, that you heal these relationships. Um, I pray, Father God, that, um, that if, if, if there are, uh, perpetrators that are, that, that, need to be rehabilitated because we have to continue to live in this life and as much as we would love all of them to probably just go meet you sooner rather than later uh they're in this life and so father god i pray ahead to protection uh and i pray a force field around these perpetrators i pray father god that they get radically saved that they come to know you that they turn and they repent of all of their evil um, and that you, you take the darkness from their hearts and you take the darkness from their minds and you turn them, uh, from a lion into a lamb that they would never harm or 
think or fantasize about harming another person. And I just pray, Father God, right now that you have a conviction of the Holy Spirit going to these people who are looking at this pornography or having these fantasies. And I rebuke that spell on your mind right now in the name of Jesus. I send it back to the pit of hell. You know, when the um, missionaries came over here and they were meeting with Aztec Indians, they were meeting with people that pulled fingernails out of children just to get a tear from them before they killed them and they offered them up to the gods. And uh, there are uh, uh, wicked people right now out there, Lord God, that are channeling these ancient gods of, of pornography and lust and perversion. And the answer is to rebuke the devil because it all comes from the pit of hell. And so I pray, Father God, that you give everybody listening the uh, spiritual weapons download on how to rebuke the devil from, from these computers, from these yes. systems. Wow. Um, and I pray, Father God, that you just do a bleach bit on all child pornography, on every single device, on every single computer, on the web. Yes, and I pray, Father God, right now that you shut it down. And Father God, I pray that there is not another child image that goes across this internet. I just rebuke this, uh, the porn hub. I rebuke it. These, these demons of these only fans and these girls that are doing horrible things to themselves and horrible things to their bodies online, all this, this sexual perversion. And I just thank you so much for Jim Caviezel. I thank you for Tim Ballard. And I thank you so much for them explaining to us the, the, the good and evil that we are facing and the evil that, and, and, the, and, the, and the origins of what makes a person go after these things. And I thank you, Father God, for what Jim Caviezel was saying on how we search for the light and we and we just find that good God thought and that and we follow that. And we don't need to go to the devil to um, portray the devil. And I just rebuke Hollywood right now. I curse you right now. I send you back to the pit of hell. You are never going to channel the devil yes, to, to, the name to portray Jesus. the devil and portray wow. evil ever again because you are diabolical and you have been portraying uh, the devil, whether it's Ocean's Eleven, or even it's in movies like Jurassic Park. You play, you you portray evil people, and you portray wicked people with a tinge of heroic uh, 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 gallantry. And I just pray, Father God, that these villains will be portrayed for who they are. Um, I just pray, Father God, that people will see wickedness and evil for what it is, and we don't need to consume the flesh of of each other and consume the flesh of and uh, we are. Literally, pornography is literally consuming the flesh of other people. We're cannibals as a cannibalistic society. And I rebuke that spirit, that demonic spirit of cannibalistic society that says, I need to consume the body yes. of somebody wow, else. Wow, wow. That's exactly what we're doing. And so whether you're consuming another adult or whether you're consuming a child, it's all cannibalistic behavior. And it's a satanic spirit. And it goes down to these ancient gods where people worshiped Baal and they worshiped Ishtar and they worshiped Molech. And they wow. sacrifice children because it's a, this is a child sacrifice system. And I rebuke it right now. And I stop it right now in the name of Jesus. You go back in the pit of hell. Uh, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I am a child of the most high God. I, I submit myself to God. And so if you guys want to know how you go to God... First, you submit yourself to God. So, Father God, we repent of our own sins. Mm. We repent, Father God, if we have even even nonchalantly or innocently consumed the flesh of our fellow um, image bearer of God. If we have lusted after somebody or something that is not ours to have, 
we repent. And Father God, this is right now. Everybody do this with me. It's just, just you don't have to say it out loud, but you can if you're in your room. You just say, I just repent, Father God, if any time I have consumed the flesh of someone else. Mm. I repent, Father God, if I've ever encouraged somebody to consume my flesh. Wow. I repent of being promiscuous, of flirtatious behavior. I repent of going and, and trying to get somebody else to go into those deep, dark recesses of their mind with my own flesh. Wow. And Father God, I just pray that there will be a sweeping repentance where whether it's young girls and young men and old men and all these people who they put on their makeup and they put on their tight dresses and they go out partying, they go to the clubs and they just want people to consume their flesh and they want other people to, then they want to consume the flesh of others. That is not what you were created for. It is a counterfeit of God. And I thank you so much for Jim Caviezel. And I want to write down this line. I want you guys to take this home. The devil does the counterfeit. The opposite of love is lust. Mm. And so if you see a movie that portrays lust and for, and this, this flirt, flirtation between people that are not destined to be together, between people that are not their spouse, um, I just pray for a holy relationships. And I thank you for Christopher Elijah because that's what you've put on her heart, that you have a, a revolution of love and what true love means and that we look at our fellow human being and the fellow mankind is not people to lust after but people to love yeah. people to encourage and i pray father god that everybody will look in the mirror and say it started with me it started with me lusting after that that fully grown adult woman down the street it, it started with me um, going to the clubs. It started with me uh, looking at pornography and that's how this, this, this grows and grows and grows because we are, it's not about the act. It's about who we're channeling. Wow. I f repent of channeling the wicked one of evil, of sin. It's so simple. Father God, we just repent of all sin, of being part of that wicked system and feeding the beast of sin. We think that we can drink and party and just, you know, turn on some country music about, uh, you know, dancing in the hay naked or whatever you know anytime we're channeling the spirit of lust that's right we're feeding the beast that molests children and mm. traffics children because it's a we're feeding satan's power and wow. his power and the wicked and wickedness and darkness and i just rebuke these powers of darkness and i pray that everybody watching will be able to explain to their family and to their friends why we don't sin because when we when we sin, we feed the darkness and other people get hurt as a result of it. And we don't even recognize that we're literally putting money in the slot machine. We're literally just funding darkness. And so, Father God, we remove our funds from darkness mm. and we give our funds to the light right now. We give our funds to, to Jesus Christ. We give our funds to rescuing children. And I just pray, Father God, that you would just wash over everybody washing, uh, watching right now with your healing power. God loves you. You're made in his image. I know many of you that have gained weight over the years because you feel horrible about, horrible about your body. You may have harmed yourself. You may have cut yourself. You may have uh, started drinking. You may have started eating too much. Uh, you Maybe you don't have motivation. I rebuke it right now off your mind. I rebuke that extra weight off your mind right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke that addictive spirit off your mind right now in Jesus' name. I, I just plead the blood of Jesus over you. You are free. You are free. I want you to know who the sun sets free is free indeed. You say, I am, I am the child of God. I am made in his image. And I just pray, Father God, that the weight that is that is on people's shoulders and the condemnation as you bring these memories to the surface, that you heal them and make it like it never happened in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. So good. Amen. Wow. That was really good.
All right, you guys. Um, Mikkel says, I just learned that giving yourself to Christ means understanding that you um, personally are responsible for the sins of the world. You confirmed you confirmed, confirmed that in prayer just now. Thank you. Hmm. Amen. 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 All right, you guys. We're going to sign off. We'll be back on Sunday for our world news report. But I hope that you have enjoyed this special report with Resistance Chicks on the Sound of Freedom and the last, you know, the first three days of the week that we had with uh, the Remnant Revolution Tour. I want you guys to go to remnantrevolutiontour.com and find a city near you or a state near you where they are visiting. Leah and I will be at their second to last stop. It's going to be the Bards Fest in Fremont, Kansas. It's September 20th, I think through the 23rd, 20th. Yeah. So um, that's going to be a phenomenal event. So I want to encourage you guys to join us there. Just read mom's last two comments. Uh, Patriot Gallery says, plead the blood of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Plead as in, how do you plead? Guilty or innocent, Jesus shed his blood and died as a sacrificed lamb of God for our sins. We are now forgiven of our sins. Because that was in response to someone's comment that says, um, show me in the scripture where anyone pled or pleaded the blood of Jesus over anything or every per- any person. And that was her response there. Um, and that's, it's, it's a perfect perfect response and you can find so many scriptures about us being covered by the blood of jesus yeah so, so when, when we, we plead the blood of jesus we are pleading we're that calling innocent, on that to, that judgment that blood it's to a, cover it's that an person innocent plea it's an innocent so plea. i'm innocent i plead the blood of jesus over your mind you don't need to hold that anymore it's a it's a it's a it's a courtroom word hebrews 9:22. innocent indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin um, we have, uh, a, there's a reason why Jesus blood was shed mm-hmm. and we are healed by the blood of the lamb mm-hmm. and that, that sacrificial, um, giving of his life. First Peter one, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Mm. Um, the, you know, there's that song, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus, because there is nothing that covers sin like the blood of Jesus. We are pleading for that innocent covering for someone. We should definitely go before the courts of heaven and plead that innocent blood of Jesus over our brothers and sisters. Um, it's very, very important to do that. So we love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we'll see you on Sunday for our World News Report. And next week, next week, very important, we'll be going live with Lynette Zhang. Woo-hoo. I think it's at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're gonna. You'll be able to ask questions. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, 
for Revelation Red Pill Fly Wednesday. Fly conservatives. Fly we'll be here for Revelation Red Pill. Very, you guys are very not going to miss this kingdom episode. So that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. That's going to be a very, very special episode of Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. So we've got a lot coming at you guys this week. So stay tuned. And also, if you missed us this week, somehow you weren't checking up on videos we did a whole Hello. boatload of them, and you can check them out on our Rumble channel, and then share them. Share videos like this. This is how we're going to make the change, by getting the word out and encouraging people to go see The Sound of Freedom and encourage them to gather together afterwards and pray, just like our friend Caitlin did, just like we did, standing up at the end of the theater. Hey, guys, could we just pray real quick? Yep. Because God says, like I said in that video, Behold, I have given you all power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. We have the power to stop this like that. We just have to know that we have it. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for another weekly roundup of news. Bye guys. When I was cold, all alone, no